You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. This is Randy. In the future, potato technology will advance so that a simple pump can give you the largest potato wedge you've ever seen. This is Melanie, and in the future, everyone will have a 3D printer in their house, so we will never have to worry about a missing sock. And this is Jesse. In the future, the words atrium and vestibule will both be replaced by the word lobby. Welcome to the Grolix Podcast. This is our, what is it, 14th episode? Is it? I think it's number 14. Wow. Um, Bazinga. But it, this is our year. Our, our, it's our, it's happy birthday to Grolix. Happy birthday. We've been going for a year. That's awesome. You know, you know what else? Uh, if this goes up on March 2nd, then my, my birthday is tomorrow. <gasps> you'll be, you'll be older. By the time this goes up. Oh, that's awesome. You, you I guess. Hey, mm-hmm. Happy birthday, old guy. <laughs> <laughs> old guy. Old yes. guy. Old guy. <laughs> Hashtag old guy. Mm-hmm. And actually, we'll have the Grolix anniversary, and then we'll have our anniversary, like, two years Oh, that's after. right. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. Because right. last time we recorded, last year, we recorded on our anniversary. Mm-hmm. Which was must was just after Jesse's birthday then. Yeah. I didn't even yeah. realize. Well what a weird coincidence. Wow. <laughs> then a year ago then a year ago everything was the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy birthday to you, sir. That's tomorrow. But thank you. <laughs> happy birthday tomorrow. <laughs> In the future. In the future. <laughs> it's so weird to talk about my birthday being tomorrow when it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's that's how we do. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. It just felt like something we could segue <laughs> out of that from. Yeah, yeah. That's how we do, Katy Perry. Y- y- yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Katy Perry, okay. <laughs> Apparently, I know that. <laughs> oh man, we're all a year older and still just as awkward. Oh yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to grow out of that. No, that'd been gone long ago if that were the case. Mm-hmm. We were awkward before it was cool. Yeah. Uh huh. Then all the other kids <laughs> jumped on it. it hipsters. Yeah. Those awkwardsters. <laughs> I was going to go there too. Yeah. What's the, what's the combine word for that? Combine. 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 Those combination word. Farmsters. <laughs> yep. Well, we've got a great show for you listeners today. Clearly, I'm not sure how to kick it off, so I'm just gonna let's just hype it up. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. It's the last swamp studies. Oh. Oh. One year anniversary. Yep. Mm-hmm. Last swamp studies. 
uh, Swamp Thing's getting canceled this month. In favor of dead, in, in favor of dead air. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Of course, we'll be talking about some Batman today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Not even old Batman. No, well, new. Old in the sense that it's been published months back. It's n- new old Batman. Yeah. New old Batman. It's new old Batman about young Batman. Yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's a <laughs> <laughs> It's year one without being called year one. Yeah, it's 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 newer than year one yet. It's zero year. Figure that one out. Yeah. They figured out how to time travel. Yep. The comic yep. book creators. Mm-hmm. They're not telling us. They're just using... No, no. If comic book creators figured out how to time travel, comic book continuity would be a lot cleaner. Oh, yeah. yeah there would be no Spider-Man clone. <laughs> <laughs> I've never read it, but what's the deal? What's that bit with um, Spider-Man, uh, Peter Parker, and Gwen Stacy? Was it Gwen Stacy got married? Or Mary Jane? Who who did they marry? And then they kind of like just oh, did it. Okay, okay. Uh, brand new day. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was that was the thing where uh, they basically retconned the Mary Jane uh, Peter Parker wedding. That's it. They, they yeah they reset that whole thing. I hear I hear I've never read it. Um, I hear a lot of gripes though. I hear that comes you, up a lot. Know, the whole the whole thing leading up to it was great, and it was uh, the thing is is it was Tr- Straczynski's swan song for Spider Man, and he was he did a great arc, you know, I mean like several great arcs on Spider Man, and then that's how they ended it with a retcon. Yeah. I was like, oh no, don't do this. So it was pretty good, and then at the end, it's like a lot of things where it's like, well, we we want to parlay this into things that you'll read in the future, so we'll just kind of leave it as a dangling plot thread kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was like, that's a terrible way to have one of your prolific writers just go out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And then he wrote a brilliant arc on Superman, and DC got him. He did that whole art. It was like right after the Spider-Man thing, uh, he went on to write uh, an arc for Superman called Grounded, where Superman basically walked across America. And it was crazy because he like walked through all these different uh, – I mean, that was the thing is he stopped in each state or a lot of different states. And so there was an issue that was set in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Did it have a gigantic uh, tower in Fremont? No, no, only, <laughs> only Iron Man, only Iron Man could pull that off. Yeah, uh, Prometheus Gene Tech. Yeah, uh, somehow I I'm, pass it. I pass it every day. <laughs> <laughs> in my in my commute, there's just this random skyscraper in Fremont that I pass. Yeah, I was gonna say some. I lived in Fremont a long time. Somehow I missed that huge skyscraper towering over all the whole rest of the town. Yeah, the Mandarin. There was a. <laughs> he buys up all the all the land. That was a, that was an Iron Man, right? Iron yeah, Man. Yeah. Yeah. There's an Iron Man issue where they had a little bit in Fremont, Nebraska, mm-hmm. but all you really seen was in their like big. Was it like a research tower or something? Yeah. Yeah. It was it's, this gene splicing? Yeah, genetics 
research tower. And it's, it, it was just like a blip. It was, uh, Fremont, Nebraska was used to kind of set up what was happening in Omaha, Nebraska. Gee, that's a surprise. Yeah. And, and it was just, just like the issue before, uh, setting things up and then never referenced again. Yeah. But like, and all you really saw was like, they were in this big, huge building, mm-hmm. which there's yeah, nothing this like that in Fremont. Yeah. Clearly, clearly someone from New York was uh, drawing something from Nebraska. <laughs> I see, I see, I see. Um, anyway, we can get off of that. What were we talking about? Uh, I don't know. It started with Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. And continuity and time oh, travel. It was time oh, travel, yeah. Oh. Yep. It's unpredictable. <laughs> yep. There's the loop. <laughs> yep. We caught up on Flash last night. We were two episodes behind. I can't believe we, I let us get that far behind. He's, See, that's how out of the that's how off I've been this month. He turns on he turns on Hulu and he's like, "We're so far behind." I'm like, "It's two episodes." He's like, "We're so far behind." <laughs> well, that yeah, with yeah. The, like with Arrow that happens. We we'll get a season behind, and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, what happened to the Arrow?" To Arrow? But mm-hmm. the Flash, uh, uh-uh. uh the Flash. Right. I'm usually on it, so we caught up on Flash. Mm-hmm. It was fun, but I'm kind of like ready for Firestorm to move out. Mm-hmm. I, I think Three's company. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, it seems like they kind of are. You know, yeah. It, it seems like he'll be out of the show for at least for. I a wonder. Mm-hmm. I wonder what the, what the end game is with Firestorm if they're gonna spin it off into yet another series, or if they're oh, just gonna yeah. kind of bring him in once in a while. I think he works better as a side thing. Yeah, I can't see him. I mean, I guess in a way it is a pretty good, like, there's precedent because it's a pretty good pitch if you think, like, the odd couple. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I couldn't couldn't see that, like, being its own show. Mm -mm. And I don't think the younger guy, I don't think he's a strong enough actor. That's what I was going to say. I I like the older guy. I've liked him and I've seen him in other things and I like him. But that younger guy is not... Not for me. Now, I'm just now that, that younger guy. Isn't that um, isn't that actually the Arrow's younger brother? Is it? Isn't that an? I think that's an Amel. I think he's going to be at Planet actually. Oh, but that you know you that could don't be. Quote, don't quote me because I could be way wrong, but I I think I'm right. Well, there is another Amel running around on the CW. Uh, that might be him. Well, if that's his younger brother, then I feel bad for him because his other brother is hotter and. Uh, doesn't doesn't really look older, so yeah, he doesn't look older. Well, that I think part of my problem with the guy, uh, what Ronnie is his character's yeah. name, is they did that thing where he's supposed to be a scientist, and he just most of the time looks like a jockey uh, d bag who likes pizza and beer or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think they made a point to do that too. Um, which is fine, I guess. Maybe you don't always want to cast the stereotype, but then again. Mm-hmm. Don't just cast the hunky guy. The Flash is actually pretty, one of the better shows about doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, maybe they thought it, we wouldn't notice since they put him in the Arrow's bad wig. That wig was awful. It was. <laughs> I was Holly comments on that every week with Arrow's bad wig. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And he, they do the flashbacks and Arrow. That wig is terrible. And then... They finally cut what Firestorm's ha- Firestorm's hair, but the wig they had that guy in was just the worst. Mm-hmm. 
Just don't. Just stop it. Just stop it. <laughs> if you can't do a good wig, yeah. just stop it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's uh Robbie ML is okay. Is the younger is you know he's uh, yeah. And then uh, we have Victor Garber is Martin Stein, and I thought he does a really good job. Yeah, I mean, he's a great actor, anyways. But right. I was kind of shocked to see him playing Stein, actually. But <laughs> but he does really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that guy, and and it's not so much that I don't like the younger guy. It's just maybe he's a good actor, but he certainly doesn't have like the screen presence that his brother does. Mm-hmm. Right, and they it, it may be down to what they've given him, you know. And like Ronnie in in this iteration is just kind of flat. He's characterization. Yeah, he was. Uh... He was dead, and then he was uh, trapped inside his body, so he didn't really have to do anything. Yeah, and that's that's all we got. No, know, no character development. Yeah, yeah. You're you're the fiance of the person that actually got development. <laughs> mm-hmm. With the Flash, and I know I rave about that show over Arrow quite a bit, mm. but I think it's bold how how like true to the comics they're going with. Uh, Grodd, Gorilla mm-hmm. Grodd, yeah. mm-hmm. blows my mind that they're actually going there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited about that because he's he's one of the biggest Flash villains, so mm-hmm. it's it's fitting. But they never went there with the original series that I'm aware of. Well, and like, I mean, if you uh, a, a giant telepathic gorilla is like for a live action television show. It's hard to pull that off without it coming across. Like I think, like I, I, I commented to Melanie, we have like as comic readers kind of a working knowledge of of Grodd and are aware of him and can accept it on that level. But from I, I what I imagine a lot of the viewership, like they don't know the comics, mm-hmm. um, that could come across as so goofy and so cheesy. Uh, so I'm impressed that they're going there. And I mean, I don't think it necessarily comes across as cheesy, but we have like, we're predisposed to just accept that because we know the character in the comics. Mm -hmm. But I think it it works especially well with flash because so much of it is science stuff that went awry. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly, you know, that's how exactly how it was and how it was set up. And they did the setup for it. You know, the, they showed the, like, him in the cage, the mm-hmm. experiments. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. I so mean, it's easier to accept than just you happen upon a psychic gorilla monkey thing. <laughs> that's really smart, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. I think we're still. I think we're a couple episodes behind on Arrow. One or two, maybe. Yeah. But you know, whatever. We'll get to it. <laughs> well, I I even watched it. We're we're current, but I I don't know what I can tell you about it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It was good. I enjoyed it, but it was like, I think it was almost all flashback this week. Oh, oh really? Yeah. I, I'm not. <sighs> so a lot of bad wig. Oh, now I remember. Yeah. Yeah. There was a huge thing and it was basically spoiled for me on Facebook. So Facebook again. Oh, well, I'll have to watch it then soon. We'll have to watch it. So it doesn't get spoiled for me. That happens occasionally. That happened with the, uh, the Ra's al Ghul fight was kind of spoiled for me. Because we oh, yeah. we waited a long time before we finally watched it, and I had like yeah seen stuff online already. Well, I mean, the thing is, if you watch it on Hulu or or wherever you watch it, if they you know they like to throw up a thumbnail, 
of a scene, uh-huh. and that thumbnail will be the spoiler. And that was like, well, if I didn't see it on Facebook, I just saw it now. The the episode of The Flash where his dad got shanked in prison. The, oh, yeah. The thumbnail on Hulu slightly. I mean, you didn't really know what, what happened, but... It was him in the hospital bed with the flat with uh you know a flash standing oh, there. So you know he gets attacked somehow. Or yeah, and and you kind of assume well he's in prison he's probably gonna right. get shanked. Yeah, in fact I think we said that. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't remember seeing the thumbnail, but I remember the situation was happening and I'm like oh he's gonna get shanked and then he like, did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're like shanks a lot, Hulu. You shanks. Uh, uh, I like that one. <laughs> you like that one? I do. <laughs> oh man, that one. That That fun got approval. Wow. (laughs) Never mind. I was going to ruin it. Okay. (laughs) I won't. No, don't. No, don't. I I couldn't make it work. I was going to add on it, but I couldn't make it work. Might as well just let let it, let it glide. We watched dead snow too. Oh yeah. It was last night. Have you seen either of those? Well, it's been on my queue forever, and it got dropped from Netflix for a while, and now it's back on there. So I need to watch it. But, like, yeah, I've been excited about Dead Snow 2, and I haven't even seen Dead Snow 1 yet. Oh, really? Well, Dead Snow 1's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. Dead Snow 2, like, they just ratcheted it up, like, 100%. They add, which is kind of fun because they added, um, I mean, it's the kind of movie where they can do stuff and you're just like, okay, whatever. It's The movie's just goofy and insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but they added some interesting things to the to the zombie convention to the point mm-hmm. where they even have characters like... <laughs> they even have a characters like, how many zombie movies have you seen that have done this? None. You're inventing your own genre here. You know, it's that <laughs> kind of movie. Meta, yeah. <laughs> so... uh it was fun. It's super gory and mm-hmm. like <sighs> distasteful a bit. Mm-hmm. Like there's oh. a lot of stuff that's like, oh, why did they have to do it? But mm-hmm. it's just those are the kind of movies they are. Um, it's fun. <laughs> we're watching it and we're like, oh no, there's somebody in a wheelchair. This uh, is going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that kind of as soon You're as probably <laughs> the villain. <laughs> as soon as you see somebody in a wheelchair, you know, like, no, they're. That's going to become something. Yeah. I don't think it did, actually, though, surprisingly. Kind of. Okay, okay, maybe. Kind of like when you have a dog in the movie, you're like, is the dog going to die? Yeah. Right away, you start taking bets. Is the dog going to die? Yeah, I think I actually commented on that. I'm like, thank God there's no dogs in this movie because... You did. (laughs) You did say that. You're like, if there was a puppy... Cause they, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I remember when you said that too. Okay, I don't want to say anything about it, but uh, if if you can stand some like good natured bad taste, mm-hmm. and then a lot of like super over the top gore, mm-hmm. almost like cartoony style. Um, they like intestines and doing ridiculous things with intestines. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so much blood. Yeah, it's. I mean, and it's 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 just played for total. Totally to be goofy and over the top. Mm-hmm. If if you enjoy that kind of like comedy horror thing, um, which we do, it's worth a watch. It's not Sharknado level, or it, it is. No, I would. Well, I've never seen. Sharknado. I have not seen Sharknado, but I would say it's above Sharknado. Okay, because it knows like it's not trying to be a great movie. But it's also not trying to be a bad movie. It's just trying to be. <laughs> yeah, I think you pegged that. Yeah. In the first one, 
in the first uh, Dead Snow, at one point, just because of how, like, the violence and the action go, I'm like, they totally pulled that from, like, uh, Evil Dead or Army of Darkness. Like, you can tell there's that that kind of, um, I guess, Evil Dead 2, that kind of attitude where it's, like, over-the-top uh, gore where it's kind of humorous, you know. Okay, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it's as good as, as the Evil Dead movies, but it's got, it's that school of thought, I think. Sure. So, yeah, definitely. It's good action. Mm-hmm. Some pretty impressive stunts. Oh, yeah. Actually, I was, I was pretty impressed. Some nice fight scenes, which is odd for like a zombie movie, but it's mm-hmm. kind of all about fight scenes and stuff. Huh. Yeah. But yeah, check it out. It's worth a watch. I think. Me too. All right. Webcomic recommendations. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What do you got? uh, This month, uh, webcomics, I've got Bubble Fox by John Esparza. And uh, John Esparza has been doing uh, different kinds of webcomics for a good long time. Um, His first website was uh, www.johnscrazystuff.blogspot.com. And, uh, this is, this is like his latest endeavor, uh, bubblefox.thecomicseries.com. Uh, he's done a comic series called Mushrooms and Mike and Mindy. And, uh, so his style is very, like, classic cartooning. Like, when I was looking through it, I was thinking, um, kind of, uh, Bill Amend, Foxtrot, um, Stephen Pastis, uh, Pearls Before Swine, like that kind of cartooning. So, you know, like really good cartooning, you know, like if I, if I had to kind of, you know, like come up with a description of what cartooning is at its best, it's, uh, like simplified, but exaggerated. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, that's really what, you know, I think that's really what John Esparza does, you know, like he does best is, uh, he's got that, that simple but exaggerated thing down mm-hmm. um, makes me think of, you know, you know, thinking like Charles Schultz, like peanuts, you know, you've got a super simplified style, but you can convey so many things within that style. And I think that's something that, uh, that John does really well. Uh, Bubble Fox is basically a Fox that winds up uh, getting stuck inside of a bubble uh, pretty frequently. I mean, that's, that's kind of where, that's kind of his origin is that he gets stuck in a bubble. And, uh, so it's just, it's fun. There's a lot of sight gags and, and stuff involved there. And John is super, super active on Twitter and social media. So, um, Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Pause. My, my dog starts yelling out the door. Um, so He's he's a huge supporter of other creators and uh definitely give him a look. Bubblefox.thecomicseries.com. Oh and he's he's uh currently working on his uh print collection for that one. He's got print collections of his other comics, but this will be the first uh print collection for Bubble Fox. As always, just a reminder, uh any of the comics we talk about, uh particularly the web comics, you can get links in the show notes. Wherever you're listening to this at, most likely there's a link in the show notes in the description. So mm-hmm. be sure to check them out. It's why we, it's why we recommend them for you to read them. Yes. 
I need to do some research. I need to get more quotes, and I need to look up some webcomics, because I never do that either. You're not online a whole lot. I know. There are some good ones, though. I think you probably really enjoy. I, oh, I, I'm sure there are. I just I, I don't get on the computer. But it's, it's almost hard to find the ones you're going to like, because there's so many good ones. Mm-hmm. It's like... And then, and then they have archives that are so many issues deep that it's like, oh, am I going to go all the way back to the beginning for this? Yes. We need to find some. <laughs> we need to find some good ones that um, have websites that read out nicely on your phone, and then I think you'll probably blow through a bunch of them. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure I would. Oh yeah, we'll we'll do that. But it, it'll be different soon anyway because I'm going to have my own computer. So yeah. when you're in your in there on. Yours, I can be out here on mine at the same time. Well, I think uh, tap tap tas or was it taptastic? I don't know. There's a there's a app slash website that's uh, designed specifically for that, where you can when you scroll through the comics, you're scrolling like you would on a phone. So it's it's designed specifically for uh, web comics on a mobile phone. Oh, nice. Good, good call. Nice. Mm-hmm. Now what, guys? It, well, you were asking earlier about which one we wanted to do first. Yes. I think we should do the Batman first, okay. and then Swamp Thing, since it's the end, and then we can the end. give it a... Oh, yeah, yeah. True send-off. Mm-hmm. Good call. Good call. This was a healthy chunk. Mm-hmm. This is technically how they'll, how DC will, will release it. We read three trades for this month, because they split, they split uh, Zero Year into three... Three books. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I had a question about the opening once we get going here. Because I, I just, like, reopened that first issue today, and I was like, oh, hey, how does this tie in? The weird little snippets of things? Well, at the very beginning, you see, like, these guys with weird hoods, and they've got, like, giant shark maw things oh, yeah, on, yeah. on their face, and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> And they don't. And, ever... I, and that's that's after I finished it. I'm like, what are those guys about? Yeah, it's kind of a cool design, and they don't ever like that's They're not really ever in play. Yeah, I guess they were just supposed to be cool looking, random thugs. I guess, but mm-hmm. they could. They didn't like. There was nothing. They didn't become a, anything in the story. Yeah. Okay, I wondered if maybe that got explained later, and I just didn't catch it. Uh-uh. But I was just like, I don't remember this at all. Well, they and were ch- open it. They were chasing where. Okay, yeah. So it opens and okay, hold on. Oh, I was gonna pull up. Oh, you know what? I have it on my phone. Let me just pull up. I'm trying to pull up the issue numbers. Um, it skips around a lot because. Oh yeah, because Batman Eternals somewhere in the middle there. Yeah, there was an issue that was like a Batman Eternal, um, and then there was also Villains Month was in there at some point. So let's see. So we're going to be talking about Batman Zero Year, which is the new origin of Batman. Um, uh, if you're looking for the singles, this is covering Batman issues, and I believe this is how we all read it. We all read it as the single issues. Mm-hmm. Yes. Issues yeah. 21 through 27 and 29 through 32. So you skip 28. And then these the, the Villains Month issues were like 
I don't know, 24.1, 0.2, 0.3. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't, that's oh, not really yeah, the dot now stuff. Yeah. yeah dot, dot, dot swaga dot now dot <laughs> all new villains month forever. Dot you mad. <laughs> dot, dot you mad, bro. <laughs> I don't know why it sounded like it. That's where it should have went. Uh, so yeah, we open up, we open this up. It jumps back. Um, I don't remember if it says five years ago or six years ago. I think it was six years ago. Six years ago, just because I have it on the screen right now. Okay. Yeah, and it opens up, and Gotham is, like, overgrown. It's, like, almost apocalypse Gotham. I mean, it's bright, but it's overgrown. The tunnels are flooded out. Um, and you've got a young kid who shows up later in the story, I believe. Um, yeah, I think so. Getting chased by... Mm-hmm these aforementioned thugs that you brought up. Um, it, it reminds me of Judge Dredd, you know? I mean, the way they go to the future and they're like vampiric-looking guys. They've got these hoods that have these these open maws, like shark, shark teeth type thing. Mm-hmm. And then they've also got like pale hands and claws. Oh, did and, they? Yeah. Oh. And so I'm like, what's going on with this? Because it's kind of fascinating visually, but yeah, we don't get really a payoff there. No, yeah, we never see those guys again. Yeah, and then you you get a look at a a very early kind of disheveled Batman on his uh, I believe that's supposed to be like a steam powered <laughs> motorcycle with a, yeah some kind of motocross bike uh-huh. kind of thing and purple gloves. Mm-hmm. He's got like purple gloves all throughout this thing. Which is weird because I never really picture him as having purple gloves. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I thought that was kind of strange, but fitting considering who he's going to go up against. Mm-hmm. DC's releasing this in trade form as three separate books. I believe two, the first two are out. I don't think the third one's out yet. It's coming out soon. Oh, it's released as Secret City, Dark City, and Savage City. Okay, yeah, that sounds right. It's that's how it's split up, you know. It, it mm-hmm. lists it on the title pages and stuff. So we get not a remake of Year One, but just kind of a different take. Mm-hmm. And this is something we can probably touch on more when we talk about the art. But Scott Snyder, the thing he kept saying was, you know, he didn't want to do another take on on Year One. He didn't want to just remake it. Um, so he kind of went the total opposite. Instead of being kind of a small scale dark story, he wanted a big, bombastic, colorful, insane story. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, right. that's what we get. True, true, true. Um, I don't know where to start with this. I did reread this. I've read, th- I read this as it came out, which was over the span of a year plus. It's like a year and a month. Mm-hmm. It took actually a year and two months. When this came out right after Death of the Family, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where they kind of lost me because it was like, we just went through this kind of trauma thing and I kind of want to see how it plays out, but now we're going to jump into a flashback. And it was a mm-hmm. brilliant flashback. I'm going to say just up front, I enjoyed this story immensely. Mm-hmm. But at the time, that's where they lost me. Mm-hmm. Is they kind right of, there. well, they kind of set all that up, you know, Snyder and. Capullo, they kind of, Snyder set that up in this Batman series and then it's almost like they did that and then DC immediately followed that up with the death of Robin and it's almost like 
Snyder was like, I'm out. I'm going to jump back to the past to do this origin thing, which DC wanted anyway. Mm -hmm. That's why he did it, because DC wanted that. Sure. But yeah, he set all that up and then just kind of bailed and was like, nope, we're going to the past and the other Bat books can deal with it. And that's kind of what happened. Mm -hmm. Some of them dealt with it kind of poorly. Some of the things just never really worked out very satisfyingly. Mm -hmm. Is that a word? Yeah. It is now. It is now. (laughs) Um. But yeah, you're 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 kind of right. It's it's if you're following the series, it kind of fell all over the place for a while. It's 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 my own bad because I have that thing against origin stories, anyways. So I was like, I don't want to go back and reread the beginnings when I kind of know what the beginnings are. Uh, but then you know, since we read it for the poll list, it's like okay, well, it's a good new story. Mm-hmm. It's not really, it's an origin, but it's not. I mean, I think they handled it as good as any origin could be handled. In a way, like, it avoids, I mean, okay, you've got the classic scene of the yes, father, I will become a bat, you know. Mm-hmm. You have that, and it's done here. I thought it was kind of interesting the way he went about it. But in a way, it, he kind of avoided the things that made year one year one. There's a lot of things he avoided. Um, he didn't deal with the mob, with Bruce Bruce Wayne trying to mess with the mob at all. For the most right. part, it was all, like, really big, over-the-top villains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. It was... Okay, we don't have to compare the two, though. But just, just you know, that's, I think, a lot of people's but, natural... But it's, it's, yeah, it's hard not to, because yeah. when we think about it, it's like, well, is this year one? Well, it is, but it isn't. I mean, it's different. I I think Snyder handled it well in that it's would have been pointless to try to remake year one. So he, I think it it was smart of him to be like, well, we're just going to do something totally different, like intentionally doing something the opposite way as to kind of pull away from possible comparisons, Mm -hmm. I think is a smart way to handle it. And I almost feel like year one takes place after this somehow. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of do too. Like a prequel or something more than Yeah, it's it's year yeah. 0 instead of year 1. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. right. And I, that's pretty much how they tried to make it work, but yeah. And, and I think they pulled it off because it does. It feels like it almost feels like a prequel. Mhm. Mm-hmm. So we jump in basically at the Red Hood gang, right? And that's yep. that's they kind of allude to that way back in Batman 0. Mhm. Where they give us little snippets of, you know, it's it's like they were setting us up for year zero or zero year, like at the very beginning of the new 52. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this is coming. That's one thing I like about Snyder's writing is when he, you know, on a longer series like this, I think he does, he has, he'll plant little seeds. Um, not, not like a ton, but he'll, he'll put little things in there. And you can tell he has an idea of where he wants to go eventually, even if he know, even if he knows if you know whether he knows or not, he'll get there or when he'll get there, because I believe he's had to slide things around. I've heard him talk in different interviews about, you know, uh, now they're doing or wrapping up the second Joker story, um, and the Riddler thing. He said he had he wanted to do this Riddler story, he just wasn't sure where. So, um, but I appreciate that he has a force he has foresight he's got a longer plan in mind Mm -hmm. so it's nice when he can that he can put these little seeds in there because yeah i think the zero issue came out 
like at least a a year before this did. Mm-hmm. So, and I really like that because the like the little seeds. Because if if nothing comes of it later, then it's just something that was there. It's just there. But if it does, then you get to look back and mm-hmm. and it's exciting, and you're like, oh, I found I found something, you know, kind yeah. of a thing. For sure. So I like the red hood the red hood gang stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. It's just really interesting to like introduce because the first thing you get outside of that, that kind of like cold open, uh, of Gotham, because after that, it then jumps back more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does. It opens with a wrecked Gotham, but then you jump to before that mm-hmm. to where, um, Bruce Wayne has, has returned after disappearing, you know, and going off for training. And we also get little snippets of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's pretending to be a ginger. Yeah. 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 He's got a mask. Um, (laughs) like a curly haired ginger, like a male orphan Annie. (laughs) Yeah. It's true. I didn't think about that, but yeah, totally. (laughs) And, and he's in the middle of it. Like he's like, you come back and he's in the middle of this big, you know, confrontation with the red hood gang. He's got, you know, he's obviously hijacked one of their trucks and he's got a bunch of business guys in the back. Mm -hmm. He's trying to save, um, and yeah, you get this just big, insane action bit where he's swinging a van on a grappling hook off of a skyscraper, and mm-hmm. it's just crazy. And I love the go between between him and Alfred in this too, uh-huh. where they're like arguing, kind of, but it's still you know mm-hmm. fun and it's fantastic out of it. Alfred. All throughout this, Alfred is not in, really on board. Like, he's, the mm-hmm. whole time, he's like, you know, what are you doing? Because mm-hmm. uh, Bruce Wayne comes back, but he doesn't announce that he's back. As far as everybody except Alfred knows, well, and eventually his uncle, uh, Bruce Wayne's dead. Mm-hmm. And so he just wants to come back, leave Bruce Wayne dead, and he doesn't seem to really have a plan. Like, he doesn't have the Batman thing Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he does he he has like an apartment or something, doesn't he? Yeah, they're staying yeah. in an apartment um in crime or by Crime Alley. Yeah, and you know, if I was Bruce Wayne, I'd be like, okay, maybe Bruce Wayne's dead, but I want a little Bruce Wayne money to <laughs> you know, ha- have a nice place. Well, and and that hat he keeps wearing, like they're trying to make it look like a K, I guess, for Gotham Knights, but it so ridiculously, obviously, a Robin symbol. Yeah, yeah, and that shows up a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. I think at one point there's a glass. Later on, there's a glass or something that's got that that logo on it, and it's yeah, it's totally the Robin R. I, yeah, I didn't even connect that it was the K. I was like, and I was even looking at it like, I'm like, what is that supposed to be? That's not the Robin symbol. Well, and it's basically because they make that weird. I think they make a reference. Uh, to kind of explain it because people have got to be going, what is going on with this? Yeah. Uh, and that's the only reason I put two and two together. It's like, okay, that's got to be a K, I guess. Mm-hmm. Because he mentioned, he references the Gotham Knights later on. And I don't know if it was the, I think it was the Riddler that actually referenced it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. He did. Oh, because he's, yeah, he's like Gotham needs a hero. Like a Gotham Knight. So, what do you guys think of the a younger Bruce Wayne here? Because he's a jerk. Mm-hmm. I mean, Batman. <laughs> Batman can kind of be a jerk, 
But younger Bruce Wayne, before he's figured out the Batman stuff, and even mm-hmm. a little bit after he starts wearing the costume, is a massive jerk. He's a jerk to Alfred. Mm-hmm. Huge jerk to Alfred. Um, what yeah. do you guys, what do you think? That, what, I always think of that one part where he's like, come back. And he's like, I was talking to the, what is battering? Yeah. Oh, he, yeah. And I'm like, oh, you crawlics. You crawlics. <laughs> I really like that scene because it's one of those things where it's, it's, that's a very real thing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's not because he's, it's set up with this like weird sci-fi weapon thing that he's playing with mm-hmm. where you're, yeah, he shoots it at the wall. It sticks in there, and then it's got voice command to come back. Mm-hmm. And they use that during one of him and Alfred's many fights mm-hmm. in this. Well, yeah, and that's that happens in the second issue already. This fight happens, like, immediately. You mm-hmm. get one whole issue of them kind of being on the same page, and then all of a sudden, boom, they're already at odds. I thought it was funny because, like, um, you know, like, he's using masks, but not the bat mask at this point. And so... Uh, I, I just thought it was interesting because in this session, this second issue, he's the penguin before he's Batman because he wears an Oswald cobblepot. Oh, you're mask. right. You're right. Yeah. He's dressed up as Oswald. That's funny. Oh, what was that scene where they're in the helicopter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the blimp or whatever. Yeah. And that's where things kind of go south and he's, and that's where, Alfred kind of calls him out and is like, um, that's not really working. <laughs> I don't remember if it's that fight or not. I think it is between him and Alfred. Alfred actually slaps him in the face, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah, yep. Takes a shot at him. Like, it's yep. through most of this, him and Alfred really have a, like, their relationship is, I mean, it's not bad. Alfred obviously loves the guy, mm-hmm. but, like, it's bad for Alfred. Yeah. Because Batman's a jerk to him the whole time. And Alfred does, you know. He's, yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's part of what I was talking about. I like it because it, it does, it shows like how much they care about each other, but it's, you know, like, uh, yeah, like somebody with their kid who's misbehaving and mm-hmm. they want it, they wanted to s- s- smack some sense into him, but they can't cause they're grownups or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You can't cause they're grownups and they'll hit you back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. The Alfred thing in this really gets me. Mm-hmm. The end. I know this is jumping way to the end, but there's a bit with Alfred where he's kind of like, spoilers, by the way. I'm sure listeners know, but spoilers for everything. Um, where Alfred's trying to introduce him to that girl. Mm-hmm. And he even like goes through the little daydream of like, they have a baby, and, uh-huh. uh, Bruce and this girl and the family and mm-hmm. old Bruce Wayne's like, thank you, Alfred. <laughs> Did you think that was a rip on uh, Dark Knight Rises? Maybe. Maybe. Where at the end where it's like, you know. Yeah, everything's like, okay, everything's hunky-dory at the end and Batman's retired and it's everything the way Alfred wanted it. Someday I'll be at this this yeah. uh, cafe in Paris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do. <laughs> Your Michael Caine turned into Sean Connery. Really <laughs> it did. I can't do a Michael Caine. Sean Connery. I can't do that either. I'll stop it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could do both those. Those are fun voices. <laughs> but yeah, maybe. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's interesting to see. I want to say it's in this, but in other 
modern Batmans, there's little things to lift from the movies and stuff mm-hmm. that I'll notice once in a while. Um, and I want to say there was something else in this story that seemed like it was lifted from a movie, but I can't think of what it was offhand. But mm-hmm. little nods and stuff. Can I jump back? Yeah, please do. Okay. The Red Hood Gang. Uh-huh. I really like that they're just guys that are being blackmailed into doing it. Yeah, like for the most part, all of them, except mm-hmm. for the, like the head guy. Uh-huh. They're all like, they're cops and they're teachers and they're, yeah, they're, they're like just regular men. people. Yeah. So. When I like, I like how they dealt with, uh, and this is spoilery too, but the way that they wove his uncle in. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Because the whole time I'm thinking, oh, he's a bad guy. He wants Bruce dead, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm, I'm thinking that the whole time. From the get-go. And we, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and then, and then when the other shoe drops, it's like, oh, well, I'm kind of pleasantly surprised that it wasn't so predictable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not necessarily a good guy, but he's not bad like you thought. He's in a yeah. bad situation like everybody else in the Red Hood gang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, Origin of the Giant Penny. New yeah. Origin of the Giant Penny. Yeah. yeah. So that was kind of funny. And the and the dinosaur at one point, right? Yeah. What was it? He, it's not a big role, but I think it was in the museum or something, right? I think so. Yeah. Something, yeah. yeah. So I mean, it doesn't play as big a part as the penny. The penny even comes into play at the end as like a big, like a plot point almost, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. When uh, we get Vicky Vale right off the bat, too. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. A little nod there. When uh, Philip, uh, like, surprises him in in the in the museum with that whole press conference type thing like hey bruce is back <laughs> that was a fun misdirect too because you you know he's like i'm sorry for the bruce i'm sorry for this you know you're like oh he's gonna try to kill him mm-hmm. and then yeah it's this you know also not something that bruce wants but yeah then you get the like it's kind of a really a jerk move mm-hmm. i mean yeah. it's better than trying to kill the guy but just like well, I know you don't want anybody to know you're alive and here, but hey, everybody knows now. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things, he, everybody thinks he's dead, and then he's there, and then everybody thinks he's dead, and then he's there, and then maybe they think he's dead again. I'm not even sure. But how many times are people well, going to think this guy's dead? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there are several times through the course of the thing. But I think, like, the party happens, mm-hmm. and oddly enough, that's like... The press apparently didn't seem to get whiff of this because then he shows up later and the press is like, we all thought he was dead. Well, mm-hmm. they didn't say that, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, cause there's, there's the explosion not long after that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there's the whole, the whole thing where he's back and then, mm. and then he meets, uh, Edward Nigma, which like we get a, we get a brief in, you know, intro to him, uh, between him and Philip earlier, but this is where Bruce gets to meet him is, is like he's trying to escape. I, thing. I really whole, like that scene too. Yeah, they do some fun panel work with mm-hmm. it. They mm-hmm. make it look like almost like a board game kind of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly that. Um, which comes into play again later towards mm-hmm. the end. But that uh, spiraling snake mm-hmm. board game type design is pretty cool. Um, I like that. I just I don't know. I like I in this, I like the Riddler sometimes, and other times, you know, it's like, okay, he's the Riddler, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really like that first scene. I just like the go between, the go, the, the dialogue between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I like the Riddler better when he's not in his Riddler costume. He just seems yeah. more sinister, sinister when he's not. 
one of my favorite parts with the Riddler where it was, he was in, I'm assuming it was like his office with all the strings everywhere. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah. don't touch anything. Cause he's got like this giant, like, you know, everything's connected, big, awesome pattern thing. He just looks like a, a nerd basically, mm-hmm. but I'm more, it's like impressive that that whole part is because the Riddler, I, I just said this to Randy yesterday or the day mm-hmm. before being really smart and, it is awesome, but then he he makes it like kind of lame, being like I'm gonna make riddles and put on this costume and whatever. And it'd be cooler yeah. if he was just an evil genius, you know. He does. If, it, if he were more like the Clock King, like if he had a little bit more composure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I was gonna say the another thing that we mm-hmm. had talked about was the little mask thing. Uh huh. That he wears for no reason because everyone knows who he is. Yeah, it's like everybody knows your <laughs> yeah. your name. Mm-hmm. They know because you're not like I'm the Riddler. You're like it's me, Edward Nigma, the Riddler. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody knows his face, but he still has to like wear that stupid uh, uh, criminal bandit eye mask thing. Why? Why do it? Yeah, for no reason. And that also brings up a. Uh, I found it interesting thinking about that. That the bad guys like never really wear masks or hide their identity. Like, you always know who they are, and they're just them. Yeah, in Batman, yeah. very few of them have, like, secret identities. Like, mm-hmm. the Jokers, I mean, you don't necessarily know who the Joker was, but that's not, like, a thing he's hidden. He's just the Joker, mm-hmm. you know? And, and yeah, the, yeah, this is who he is now. Yeah, <laughs> and the Penguin is just, the Penguin, well, he's like, you know. He's he's Cobblepot. Everybody he, knows who he is. He yeah. doesn't wear a mask. Yeah. Uh the penguin's just a name people give him. Mm-hmm. Killer Croc is just the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were talking about this and, the other day. And Two Face is everybody knows who he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's there. The only there's very few ex- Poison Ivy. Everybody knows who she is. She doesn't mm-hmm. wear a mask. There's very few exceptions. Um, like a uh, Catwoman, but mm-hmm. Catwoman's sometimes a bad guy, sometimes not. So mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I wonder if it's like if you're bad, it's just freeing, so you don't care. Yeah, you don't, you don't care to hide your identity. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, very few of them. A lot of them are just openly like, I'm a bad guy and this is who I am. I'm not going to hide it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's it's, pro- it's probably like that in a lot of the other comic books too. But I just, you you brought that up mm-hmm. and I hadn't really thought about it, but it is mm-hmm. an interesting concept. Yeah. And it, 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 especially, it hit me especially because of the Red Hood thing where it's like normal guys covering oh, yeah. their faces and then the like super villains are just like well, I don't care yeah except the red hood I guess I didn't think about I didn't think about that either like the red hood one I guess mm-hmm. you'd say who's the actual villain of a at some point mm-hmm. which you right. never you never find out Mm-mm. I like that they think they know who he is but then it's it's not they find that guy's body and they're like we have no way of telling how long this guy's been dead mm-hmm. he could have been the red hood yesterday or he could have been dead for a year and somebody else has taken his place. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did you guys think of that? How that, how the red hood, I guess progressing the story a little bit, how the red hood thing wrapped itself up. It kind of, cause you kind of get, you get the Joker's origin really. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The ACE chemical and all that, which they touched on in death of the family. You know, they, mm-hmm. I looked closely at the art because there's at one point where, Red Hood 1 does step away and takes the hood off. Mm-hmm. And you can see a reflection of a person in the hood, somebody with a big nose, somebody very Joker-like. Um, but you don't see, specifically, you don't see a switch over. you don't see exactly what 
who it is, mm-hmm. and then you get the like, you know, blah, fall into the vat. Yeah. Um, right. Well, and it's interesting because it does tie in almost to, uh, was it the killing joke? Uh huh. Yep. Where we get that kind of pseudo, uh, we get that pseudo origin for the Joker. And it's like, well, if you wanted, I mean, if you want to be a purist about it, you could fit the killing joke in now. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he's kind of in that story, the Joker's kind of forced to do it. Mm-hmm. And it could be that Red Hood one forced him to do this thing. Yeah. And they intentionally used a whole lot of dialogue to say, we don't know it could have been anybody. Mm-hmm. Right. But yeah. <laughs> they do like Bruce and Alfred has has this couple dialogue intense pages where they're like going back and forth and making a point of like we don't know. Yeah. At one point, Alfred's like, "You're just playing multiple choice. You're just coming up with more things it could be, you know." Mm-hmm. But uh, I thought that was an interesting way to handle it. Mm-hmm. And then I forget how we get to the bone guys. It just kind of goes to it. Okay. Yeah, so- just immediately. It's like right after the Red Hood thing uh, resolves, now we're dealing with Bone Man. So I guess, <laughs> I guess, not to jump back, but okay, so we get, we do get that moment. The, the Batman, you mm-hmm. know, yes, I'll, yes, father, I'll be, shall become a bat. Right. Um, we get that moment. And it's kind of interesting because they have this bit of technology. And that's another interesting thing. Snyder said he didn't want to, like, it's pretty much, even though it's like six years ago or whatever, it's set in modern day. So like they didn't, he didn't want to mess with like making a period piece. He wanted it to feel modern with technology and all that. Mm-hmm. So they've got this ball, this imaging. Oh yeah. Yeah. This, that thing was cool. Yeah. This imaging ball. So when that moment happens in his study with the statue and the bat coming through, um, the ball is like activated and is projecting a hologram of the cave from mm-hmm. when Bruce yeah. was a kid and fell in the cave. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of interesting, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so during the Red Hood thing, Batman is put on, he's the first Batman outfit, you know, purple gloves, kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and he started, he's showing up as he started to do the Batman stuff. And there's some really good stuff in there where he's got the guys he, to the bill, uh, oh, yeah. he, he ties the guys to the billboard in kind of the bat symbol, mm-hmm. and if you read it, yeah. like, I don't remember what the what the uh, the billboard said before, but after he ties it to it, it covers some of the letters, so it says "Welcome to Bat Country." Mm-hmm. So I appreciated that. So yeah, he's 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 doing Batman stuff, and that's kind of how we get to the bone the bone guy, because it brings us in after the Red Hood stuff. We get this Doctor Death story, where um, really it's the police. At this point, the police are going after Batman, and they keep seeing him at these murder scenes. Right. Okay. Okay. That's with the Bone Guy. Yeah. Which is Grizzly. Mm-hmm. This whole Bone thing was crazy, and the artwork was <laughs> wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost Nosferatu like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Doctor Death. The look of him. It just yeah. looks. Those teeth, man. It just looks like it hurts. Yeah. There's actually, I mean, it's not anything like that, but there's actually a disease and you die from it, but your tissues and organs turn into bone. It's like, and they're like, it's like super painful. And I'm like, yeah, if it was like the extreme like that, you'd be in agony. Like always, I don't see how he could even walk around and do stuff. This really, okay. So it's not gory what happens to his victim. So he injects him with the serum. 
that basically makes their bones grow out of control. Mm-hmm. But the mur- the crime scenes afterwards, mm-hmm. like, is really grotesque and on the verge of like, whoa, mm-hmm. that's that's almost a little hardcore for whatever this comic is rated, you know? Yeah, because they it's yeah. like they grow so it's like trees or something yeah, so twisted, creepy bone trees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is odd. That's, that's yeah. a great name for a future album. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Creepy, twisted bone trees. <laughs> and I know what happens with the regular guy, but I think maybe to the victims too. If they like break the bones, it like makes it grow. Yeah, like much quicker and mm-hmm. probably farther. Yeah, because it's supposed to be like the serum is supposed to be where if somebody breaks a bone, then it like immediately heals harder. Mm-hmm. But uh, particularly with Doctor Death, anytime he gets an arm or something broke, it like boom, and it like boom. It makes a motorcycle noise. It turns into a motorcycle, <laughs> but it like grows and gets all distorted and twisted. So. Towards the end of this whole Dr. Death storyline, that dude looks gnarly. And he's mm-hmm. just huge and lumpy and he's got all these spiraling bones. And- mm-hmm. Then when when him and Batman get in a fight on, um, I don't know what they're on, like a tower of some nature. They're on a a weather balloon. Are they on the? Yeah, they're on like oh, okay. a weather balloon type blimp thing. Okay. I just remember the railing. Yeah. And he like broke his bones around the railing. Ugh. Yeah, and it grows around and then mm-hmm. he eventually has to break it off. Yeah, he's going to feel that tomorrow. Oh, uh, nice. Nicely done. I like that one. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's not a whole lot to say about that section. I like Dr. Death. Mm. I I didn't really understand why he was targeting the other guys that worked on it with him, besides just that he went a little crazy. Um, The Riddler, okay, this is, you know, I don't. I guess I don't have to do another spoiler warning, but the Riddler had essentially talked him into working to doing this for him because essentially he was stealing this technology from these other scientists that the Riddler ended up taking and using to do this whole final act thing. Mm -hmm. But Um, I thought, okay, but yeah, initially they were all working together, right? Yeah. And then he got fired and the Riddler convinced him, I think to use that on himself and get the other stuff, but Mm -hmm. he didn't. Why? Why did, uh, I don't know. Um, Kind of like the Riddler, well, at least what the Riddler claimed was like, you know, to make, you know, sure, all these people will die, but it'll make, it'll end up making people stronger, blah, blah, blah. Uh, his, his, his motivation, I guess, was a little convoluted. Mm-hmm. There was a tie in to, um, oh, wow, that's another thing. His son was mm-hmm. a soldier yeah, and he died. And it turns out his son was searching for Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. when he died. Um, I thought it was interesting how many times uh, yeah. Bruce Wayne as not Batman came into play into the plot of throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like somehow Bruce Wayne inspired Red, the Red Hood. Somehow the murder of Martha and Thomas Wayne inspired Red Hood to be Red Hood. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow Bruce Wayne being gone and his uncle Philip like setting up the scenario to have this Dr. Death's son search him out as in the military caught, you know, mm-hmm. Dr. Death's son died. So like, I like it. I don't mind it, but in a way it's almost a little cheesy how much they w- wove Bruce Wayne 
mm-hmm. into being like an unwitting and unknowing like reason for a lot of these villains. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. It's okay, I guess. Mm-hmm. But when this is kind of a tangent, but like these, like we're up to like issue the fifth or sixth issue in, and like there's this little aside that happens at, towards the end of every issue, mm-hmm. like showing. Like the first four, it's it's like a prequel type of thing where it's like him learning how to drive mm-hmm. a Batmo- Batmobile type scenario, yeah. and then the next one's like this steampunky looking guy with a monkey showing him all these gadgets and and mm-hmm. him working on gadgets and and then uh, basically like a like a gladiatorial pit where he's just fighting everyone but won't won't kill anyone to the point where they're afraid of him for days and, fighting yeah. for days. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For days. And then, uh, and then we have, um, well, like it ends off, I think with, uh, like these kids, uh, and how they're inspired by the Batman and that's kind of where it ends. Oh yeah. And so yeah. They, it's, it's like they went through the first trade and into the second trade with these little sides and then they just kind of disappear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I noticed that too. And it actually kind of, bugs me a little bit because I liked, I liked the little snippets. Uh, sometimes they were relevant or they were relevant. Sometimes they were just, you know, it's kind of like arrow. Sometimes the flashback was relevant to what was happening at the time. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes it's not, it's just there. But, uh, yeah. it makes, I guess if, if they had continued in each issue, maybe that would have got tedious to the point where eventually you're like, okay, we get it. He trained a bunch, Yeah, but yeah. it, as the story goes, it almost feels like a format change that they're not there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's almost like they should have spread them out more. Yeah, maybe. Instead of having them all right there in the beginning and then no more. Because and Well, the, a total art change, too. Yeah. Were they were they even written by Snyder? Or? Uh, they were a uh, story by, but they were written by, I think, James Tinian, which happens a lot. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was like, you know, he's probably like, hey, I need this backup. Um, here's my idea. Mm-hmm. Write it. Uh, I like the monkey one a lot. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, where he, it's like he has all this stuff, but he, and none of it works, so he just has to figure stuff out. I like that. Because he's, you know, he's Batman. He has to be able to do that kind of stuff. I liked it. I liked it because they were, yeah, they, they each handled a different area of how Batman operates in a way that a lot of, like, Batman origin stories or past Batman stories doesn't because when they, when they do the training, you get to see like his physical training Mm -hmm. where he's learning to fight or doing this or that. But yeah, I like the ones where like the car one where Mm -hmm. you get the idea of like why the big extravagant, crazy Batmobiles, you know? Mm -hmm. And the guy's like, because it becomes this thing where the cops are like, it's, it's gotta be like a vehicle out of a dream. And eventually they don't even, they don't want to catch you. Mm-hmm. They want you to get away. That kind of idea. Right. Like mm-hmm. And then like you say, the gadgets where it's like, he can have all these gadgets, but when it comes down to it, he's got to be able to improvise on, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did like that. The one thing they didn't cover is like his detecting. That's true. That's yeah. true. Like that's one thing they've never really come across in, in any of the origins is like, he's just naturally gifted at it. Mm-hmm. I'm just really good at solving riddles, guys. That's one of the things I know we don't really watch Gotham. We like fell off, but I appreciated that, that they 
showed him like oh as a kid yeah yeah being because of his you know mm-hmm. his parents murdered like had starting to look into like everything mm-hmm. and you see how he became a detective yeah it's actually kind of interesting that the gotham show tackles that better mm-hmm. than most of the comics have mm-hmm. and yeah the gotham show itself is kind of so so mm-hmm. so the doctor death stuff eventually kind of gives way to uh, the Riddler stuff, which I mean, it's the Riddler stuff's been weaved throughout the whole story, mm-hmm. but now we're actually getting into zero year mm-hmm. and where that comes from. When Dr. Death almost is like a distraction, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, he really is. I mean, he's got his own agenda, but Nigma is playing that mm-hmm. so that he can set up his grand scheme. Yeah. Yeah. There's some like, Enigma has Dr. Death doing stuff for him in some way. That's kind of where Dr. Death's motivation is convoluted. But for the most part, he does use that as a time to distract Batman. And then the cops are also distracted because Loeb has a big hate on for Batman. Mm-hmm. Does, doesn't he have also um, the chemicals that um, the Red Hood was? Oh, I'm not sure. And like up in blimps or something? Maybe I'm wrong. Like, he might. I thought. I thought he was. You find out like, because those that, chemicals. Because yeah, because the Red Hood gang got ended up getting away with those chemicals. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those might have gone to Nigma because Nigma was essentially pulling the strings with his uncle Philip, and mm-hmm. his uncle Philip is where Red Hood got a lot of their access to Wayne Tech chemicals and weapons. Mm-hmm. When they mention it at one point that. Uh, Batman's like, well, I get where he got the manpower because he basically just co-opted the Red Hood gang. So I guess maybe that explains the jaw face people at the beginning. I don't know. I'm I'm reaching. I'm reaching there. But but yeah, like I think he co-opts the Red Hood gang in some some form. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like all of it is connected to him. You find out at the end, which is really how it should be for someone like the Riddler. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. the Joker, who's your daddy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that reminds me. So speaking of, I remember I remember something that I thought was potentially a nod to the movies. That song that Dr. Death is talking about. Mm-hmm. The song he heard in the service or or his grandfather heard in the service it, or something. I think it's like a they all sang it or something. Yeah. The moon one. And there was a lot about Dancing in the Pale Moonlight. Mm-hmm. And I was like, is, is that a Batman 89 reference? I hope hmm. so. You ever dance with the <laughs> devil? And, oh, oh, my gosh. There's my movie quote. Okay. I'll hold on to that one. Uh. <laughs> I still love that movie. Oh, yeah. That bit's great. And Michael Keaton was a great, crazy Batman. Like, I mean, he was a yeah. good Batman, but like he was a great, like crazy Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. He, he does really well when uh, he's not showing his face. Like, he just... Can go all kinds of crazy, <laughs> yeah. like in that right. juice and whatnot. It's and it's that's the thing that that keeps me wondering: will will Ben Affleck surprise us? Because no one would have believed that Michael Keaton would have been a good Batman, and then he wound up being a really good Batman. Mm-hmm. You know that's true. And it's like I, so that's that little seedling of well, maybe I'm not giving Affleck enough credit. But he was Daredevil, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I just don't like Affleck. But okay, as Batman, I mean, you can be a, you can be in the Batman outfit and be a bad Batman. It's happened. 
Well, yeah, Clooney. I yeah. mean, Clooney's a brilliant actor, but horrible yeah. Batman. He was just bat- he was just George Clooney in a bat suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but for the most part, if you just downplay it, you can be a fine Batman in the suit. So it kind of comes down to what kind of Bruce Wayne you are. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if they're going to play it as Bruce Wayne's kind of a jerk, because generally Bruce Wayne's kind of a jerk, yeah, Ben Affleck might be able to pull that off because he's really good at being a jerk. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's what he's really good at. I think when he's not being a jerk, that's when you get the like really questionable roles, like his performances. Mm-hmm. So. Sure. But I'm pretty sure I've said it before. He's he's like um Mark Wahlberg. If they're like a copper, a, a yeah. criminal in Boston, then they're great. Other than that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also, Affleck's getting older. He's getting older, you know. So maybe you know, whatever. I think it really depends on the project, you it, know, because it, yeah. like Wahlberg has been in great projects, and then he's been in the big hit, <laughs> or uh, you know, yeah. or Transformers or something. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. like. He's been in some great roles, and he's been in some huh roles. Same thing with Affleck. Or the happening. What? No. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> right. Right. Um. No. So really, they both just need to fire their agent. Yeah, kinda. I think so. <laughs> uh. Although I don't know, I can't. I can't blame Affleck for taking the role. No. No, well, though, who wouldn't would. want to be Batman? Yeah, I mean, even Clooney wanted to be Batman for a second. For mm-hmm. a second, Clooney, you know, he probably Clooney probably came out of that like, regardless of whatever anybody says, he's probably like, "Yep, yeah, I was Batman." <laughs> you know, he, <laughs> I have I doubt it affects Clooney very much because after he signed, I think the thing with Clooney is, and this is sometime around when they were making those movies, he signed to do before the movie came out. After he signed on to do Batman, and they paid him, uh, apparently the story is his um, accountant, or whatever you would call it, or his agent, or whoever, they're like, after this, you don't ever have to work again if you don't want. So, oh, that's wow. a big paycheck. Yeah, it is. One of those, like, you know. So now, now you can do all the uh, roles that will get you Oscars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he does. And... Okay, Clooney wasn't a terrible Batman movie, and he was a terrible Batman, but people still respect the crap out of Clooney because he's George Clooney and he's cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah. he can be he, a good actor. He's got an, he's got an all like in the acting world, he is Batman. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. exactly. I was, I was I was gonna say, you know, as far as like maybe not Batman so much as like you think like a rich guy like Bruce Wayne. Clooney's probably the closest to actually being that as, of anybody that's played him. Yeah. It's kind of like, you got Clooney, <laughs> you know, like now, if you've got a movie and Clooney attaches himself to it, it's going to be a big deal yeah. in some mm-hmm. form now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Where were we? <laughs> ben Affleck sucks. No, I'm sorry. He we, does. We were away before fan. that. I'm not um, a man. I guess we get into the Riddler stuff. I don't remember what we were talking about. Yeah, but... we were talking about the Riddler. Oh, I sidetracked just a little bit because of the, the p- possible reference to the Batman movie. Oh, right. yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Riddler is another, I think, thing that kind of points out, um, Batman's detectiveness. Uh huh. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that interaction does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just, I was just like, well, how did he get that smart? He just was. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, uh, in between his 
working with gadgets and driving cars and fighting gladiators. He was reading and studying and doing um, brain building games. He was he was spacing off during college. Maybe that's this. <laughs> Maybe that, yeah, I just didn't get that part. Well, that's an interesting thing. That's towards the end here. Um, the little flashbacks, like where he's in college and all that, like that, his teacher or professor or whatever was put that trick question up to him. Mm-hmm. You know? Was that college? I thought that I didn't. Maybe I that, that was high, high school. school. Maybe it was high school. I don't know. It's hard to tell the ages. Yeah, they didn't mm-hmm. really say. It seemed like it was college because he sneaks up into their room. Yeah, it could have been. A- it could have been a boarding school, but it's some kind of like dormitory style setting. Uh huh. But he knew the answer to that. Mm-hmm. He just was, I think that part I kind of thought about a little bit because I just finished it up recently. I think the fact that it was about, uh, bu- bullets and shooting. Well, yeah, of course. And then he yeah. was also having the issue where he was like seeing everybody with bullets, uh, bullet holes in their heads mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, that had upset him. I thought not only that that was it, but I thought he's Bruce Wayne. They know what happened. I thought his teacher was just being a jerk. Yeah. yeah. So he deserved yeah. it. Yeah. And he went and burned the <laughs> big zero on mm. the guy's yard. Um, it's reverse racism. I liked, I liked, I liked the flashbacks. The, I liked the, the flashbacks. The, okay. The issue where the doctor death thing ha- comes to a climax. Mm hmm. And you get the flashbacks of, um, the, the big, the shooting, the big, the big thing, the big Batman, uh, Bruce Wayne parents being murdered scene. Yeah. First off, the art there is awesome. But I remember when we first read it, you had commented to me, Melanie, about it, mm-hmm. uh, where the guy shoots his father and then his mother and the artwork. For like where he shoots his mother mm-hmm. and she's like looking at him and the blood coming out of the eye and stuff like yeah. that. It's and like the way that when they draw the muzzle flare, I guess, on the gun, um, kind of halos behind her. So uh, yeah, really interesting, mm-hmm. interesting artwork there. Oh yeah. Um, I guess that's something I'd, I wouldn't mind touching on. We could probably do it now is the artwork in general. Uh, I really like Capullo's artwork in the Batman series. At first, and I know we've talked about it, we probably had roughly the same conversation when we talked about uh, Death of the Family. At first, I was almost a little put off by it because his character's faces are, um, a lot of them look young. The way he does certain noses, like, they're kind of like roundy and soft faces, you know? Mm-hmm. But as I've, you know, been reading it this whole time, I really like it. This story does really well to highlight some of the things that I think Capullo enjoys doing and is really good at is the city. Mm-hmm. There's always a lot of detail in the city. And then all the stuff with the overgrown city, I thought mm-hmm. looks great. What did you guys think about the colors? Because they made, like, there's an obvious choice to do something very different with the color. Because generally the series has been uh, very muted, um, mm-hmm. browns and grays and earthy tones. Um, and then this series is, like, super stylized, crazy, uh, technicolor uh, gradients. The sky is like green and purple most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they just—it's very stylized and wild. Uh, how did you guys feel about that? I liked it. And overall, it's a brighter. It's most of the yeah, almost brighter. You mm-hmm. almost have to go over the top with 
the villains that we've been dealing mm-hmm. with. Cause mm-hmm. pretty, I mean, like they jump right in with, you know, these ca- super villain character types. The red hood is like this shiny red mm-hmm. bullet shaped helmet thing. Mm-hmm. And, and then you've got the Riddler who's like lime green and purple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And really those sections, I guess how they would break it down into those three books kind of reflect the villains a little bit. I mean, the coloring during the Red Hood part stuff is interesting because you do have still some of the dark, the night scenes, but you get a lot of red and orange gradients and uh, Mm -hmm. a lot of red or like, I guess, warmer, crazy colors, um, oranges and some purples and stuff. And then if I remember right, it seems like during the Dr. Death stuff, it's generally a little darker. Yeah. The color's a little bit more subdued, like how the series normally is. And then for the Riddler stuff with this green suit, mm-hmm. you get that, like, it's almost always daytime, overgrown mm-hmm. green city backdrop. It's like uh, if um, Swamp Thing had just left the city the way it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. I liked, I really liked the, the stylized color at mm-hmm. times. Um, but then once in a while, when it would switch to a more subdued color... In a way, I was kind of like, oh, this is nice. It feels like being home again, you know? Like, this is how... This is <laughs> like how a brain, it, a break for your brain. <laughs> it, it is. It is it is a break for the brain. And also, I guess, a little bit the eyes, because those colors are so extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little easier on the eyes. But it's also more like this series with Capullo's art, used to the more subdued colors, so it feels a bit more how it should be. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's one scene, I like the scene, but I'll mention it now because I really like the art, and it's when I really started thinking about um, the colors and stuff like that, is where they've, Alfred and Bruce are like down in the hole, uh, they're in the cave, but it's when they just have a hole that goes up to the yard, mm-hmm. and they're putting the generators in and down there, yeah. and they're climbing up the ladder to come out, and Bruce Wayne is trash-talking uh, the police, uh-huh. and then he gets out, and you open, the, you flip to the next page, and Gordon's standing up there, like, "What were you saying?" You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I was, I was wondering if we'd get into that too, because I really like how they, it, you know, like they, they create this dynamic between Bruce and and Alfred, and you also have like, it, it, you know, it's like you could see where it's going to grow, mm-hmm. and you do the same thing with with Gordon. Like they don't like each other, and that was kind of jarring for me at first because it's like they've always been on the same page mm-hmm. that I can remember mm-hmm. and now you like he not only is he smack talking the police but once he realizes it's Gordon he he takes it to another level of get the heck out of my face yeah mm-hmm. he really does he ratches it up and then it's like you know go ahead and look and hits the thing so all these bats come out and Gordon gets scraped mm-hmm. um, oh I, I okay yeah one more note on that when they come out of the hole like that scene it's like where, oh man, the color and the art is like really nice there. It's like yellowy, but kind of, um, subdued. It looks foggy, like it had rained recently. Mm-hmm. It just had this great atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the best looking pages, I think. And there's really like nothing to it. It's just them standing out essentially in a field. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the Gordon, uh, that's something I'm, yeah, I hadn't really thought about it. The Gordon, uh, Bruce Wayne dynamic is really interesting. Because 
to the point where Bruce Bruce Wayne pulls a gun on Gordon. My first read through, I don't know. I, I didn't really like it. I was like, what? I don't like this. I like, because for the most part, when it comes to like Batman as a, as a character, as a person, mm-hmm. Gordon's like Batman's only real friend. Yeah. Am I yeah. confusing this with something else or was this the trench coat thing? This was the trench coat. Yeah. Thing. Okay. There's the trench coat. Yeah. The whole trench coat story. And then eventually, you know, they kind of come into an understanding. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about? Okay, so you get half of this trench coat story set up between Bruce Wayne and Gordon. Mm -hmm. And then you get, like, the truth or the reveal about it, Mm -hmm. which – because it kind of sets Gordon up to be a bad guy, which I did not like. I was like, Gordon's, like, supposed to be, like, the best guy in Gotham, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, the only honest man. Exactly. Yeah. More so than Bruce – more so than Batman, even. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. But – but then you kind of get the reveal of like, okay, he is a good guy, mm-hmm. you know? But even so, even then, he he says himself, he's like, you know, I just didn't want to look into it. I didn't, I didn't want to check and see, it, you know, I wanted to just believe that people were just giving us stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it was more, it comes across as more like... Uh, what's the word? Um, Na- deni- naivete. Naivete and de- and and uh, uh, denial. Yeah, is what kind of put him in the situation to look like a bad cop. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we get the payoff, the reveal between Gordon and Batman, mm-hmm. which was a is also another one of my favorite scenes because it's where Gordon takes the glasses off and he's like, "I can look at the prescription. I can't see you. That your mask is going to burn your eye out. You know, mm-hmm. you got to take it off." And then they kind of basically wrap the story up between those two mm-hmm. to the point where at the end, Gordon gets a new new coat. It's the same coat, but it's new. And Gordon even says something like, how did you, like, you know, basically he's like, have you talked to Batman or whatever? Mm-hmm. And Bruce Wayne's like, I wouldn't know anything about that. But, you know, it seems like. Yeah, maybe it was time for a new coat. Yeah. And Gordon almost has a smile. So do you think even at that point, do you think Gordon knows? Because I think in the current, current time, like it, current day in the story, in the Batman series, I think Gordon knows. Mm-hmm. I, well, I think he, he did know at one point. I don't know, you know, post new 52. I don't know if he knows, but he I, did know. I think he knows. I, I don't think they've ever blatantly said he knows in, mm-hmm. in the new 52. But they've done a lot of things where it's like, yeah, he's got to know. Well, I was going to say, he's he's a good detective, too, and I'm pretty sure he is at least suspicious pretty much the entire time. Yeah. but like, yeah. oh, this guy comes back from, you know, out of nowhere, and then all of a sudden there's a vigilante here in town. Mm-hmm. And all these other, you know, mm-hmm. coincidences and and wanting to go and look in the in the caves on the grounds and whatnot. And, yeah, yeah. I also like that in this, you get, because it seems like before, Batman was up for a teammate, team up with Gordon before Gordon was. Mm-hmm. You know, Batman seemed like he knew Gordon was a good guy before Gordon knew Batman was a good guy. And in here, it kind of seems like the reverse, where Gordon's like trying to befriend Batman mm-hmm. almost, and Batman's got this, you know, hang up. Yeah. Yeah, that is like the opposite of how it usually is because usually they're like, "Oh, he's a vigilante," but then they, you know, are like, "But he's a good guy." Yeah, eventually Gordon comes around, mm-hmm. and you know, 
Well, they, they set up Gordon to be more of an outsider in this too. Like mm-hmm. he's kind of the cop that gets, he's like a low man on the totem pole mm-hmm. in this retelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he was an outsider before, but he was like an actual outsider. Like he came in from out of town and that's mm-hmm. kind of the case here. But yeah, they present it different here where he's working his beat. He didn't come in as just like a detective guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's interesting. And is Cor- Corrigan, is that like a reference to the Spectre? Corrigan is, is uh, just uh, to make it make sense, that's the name of his uh, partner. Yeah, the Crooked Cop partner. Yeah, and so it was like, I wonder if there's a correlation here. Are they tying that into the Spectre character, or is this a totally different Corrigan that has nothing to do with it? I think okay, I could be wrong, but I think it's a different Corrigan. Yeah, because isn't doesn't he have like some kind of police job, but it's not of that nature. Yeah, yeah, Corrigan does. It's not like a B cop though. He's like, oh, well, I guess he's he could more, be. He's more more of a detective than. Yeah. I guess it could be. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, so that's something I meant to look up and never did. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I didn't catch that. I was like, well, Corgan's familiar. Maybe it's his cousin. It's his cousin, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, possibly. I'm not sure. That's definitely worth well, looking into. Well, re- the reason that it was even on my mind is that Corgan uh, plays a role in the Constantine television show. So not to totally derail this, but that's where, like, that Corrigan, that specific Corrigan is in Constantine. And I thought, well, is this the same one? And then I just never looked it up. Yeah. Well, he's in um, Gotham at Midnight. Or Gotham by, or Gotham. Yeah, Gotham at Midnight. Something like that, yeah. I'm reading it, but. Gotham by Midnight? I don't look at the titles, I just. Yeah, yeah. Is it still good that series? I enjoy it, but I like super. I like the you know, I guess supernatural stuff. type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. So, what else? Anything else on this? The Riddler stuff, I guess. Uh, I I don't have a lot to say about the Riddler stuff. Like I said, I like the Riddler better when he's less flamboyant and in your face, mm-hmm. which he is definitely huge and in, in your face. And mm-hmm. you get his like narcissistic side here where he's take he, he's taken over Gotham and he, you know, pretty hard, pretty hard not to see Jim Carrey a little bit. Yeah. A little uh, bit. Yeah. I said that the other day too. Oh, there is, there is something I really like because he does the line. He does the Riddler line. Uh, I just like how, I like how they pepper little things in here where towards the end when Batman like is finally, has finally tracked him down. We're kind of skipping over a lot, but we need to, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Batman has finally tracked him down and he's got the Riddler kind of has got him in a position with all the lasers and all that. And you get the, you, there's that, uh, that snake game board mm-hmm. comes up again. Right. Yeah. He does, you know. He's like, you know, you need to answer answer these riddles, blah, 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 or blah, blah, blah. And all these are connected to these balloons full of gas outside the city. And then you do the, like, you flip to the next page and it goes to Lucius Fox and Gordon or whoever. But you get the little snippet of dialogue from the page before, like mm-hmm. it usually does. And it's, 
riddle me this, Batman. And I was mm-hmm. like, yes. And like, it's like five R's in the riddle. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I really enjoyed that. Me too. I mean, they, they didn't even do it to like in the word balloon on the page. So you're looking at the Riddler. It's the next page, but yeah, mm-hmm. they give you the it was page. a nice way. It was a nice way to do it, but not be as over to the top as we're used to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it was fun. I, I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. But still that, that whole scene is kind of, re- it's like a game show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to be a, a game show host as my villain personality. It really is kind <laughs> of like a game show. And he's got the, um, the robots set up there uh-huh. with the guns, but they also have these camera heads and there's uh-huh. like two or three of them surrounding watching. So I hadn't really thought about it, but with all the lights and the, like the Sphinx set mm-hmm. almost it. Yeah. It's very much like a game show there. Well, and the Riddler goes huge, you know, he sets it up, you know, he, he, he has people come up and like, he tried to challenge him on a riddle and he's mm-hmm. on the big, screen in central Gotham and like, you know, they've got a little area set up and it's Coliseum style almost, you know, with a bottom that drops out. That was craziness. Yeah. Bottom that drops out into looks like, like a carport or a car parking garage with apparently jackals at one point, but there are lions by the time we get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Batman takes on a lion. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now my mind's kicking on some of the like more fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one thing about this in general. I think there are a lot of fun moments, mm-hmm. as opposed to just being like a dark, brooding story. But yeah, Batman takes on like what was it three, three or four lions, mm-hmm. and at one point he's got a lion in like a chokehold and he's holding them there. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Is that all you got? Is it? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's yeah. Answer me this, Riddler. Oh yeah, there's a, there's a lot of fun moments and like good lines. Um, well, and he quotes he quotes Frank Miller, but it wasn't year one, and I don't remember where in the story it is, but he he does. I'm the Grawlix Batman. Yeah, yeah. he does. He does. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. For sure. Um, that's another thing. Young Bruce Wayne, young angry Bruce Wayne has a much dirtier mouth than current Batman. They have, there's a, it does a little, little bit more quippy, you know, a little bit more Spider-Man style quip. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Grolixes. There's a lot of Grolixes, not just from him, but from other characters too. Um, and then there, they do that thing where they'll even throw the little censored box over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah. Well, that back at the beginning, that first scene where you got Bruce Wayne in the, in the mask, uh, before he's Batman and the whole bit with the, uh, the truck swinging and it lands in the water. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, He's down there giving him the finger, and it's got the censored box over the finger. Mm-hmm. But that, I think, yeah. that right there, I think, sets off like this is a younger, less refined, angry Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. When towards the end, after Batman hits himself with the defibrillators or whatever, mm-hmm. and uh, you have that big like <gasps> moment where it's like two pages of blackness and all that, mm-hmm. and then Alfred, <laughs> Alfred revives him. And well, I can't remember. Bat- Batman says something like, "How, whatever, whatever." And Alfred's like, "Well, I knew you would." Or what does he say? I don't remember. But Alfred's like, "Because you're Batman," and mm-hmm. and it just makes me think of uh, his he because I'm Batman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, but I just love that because you're Batman. That's how. Yeah. Yeah. 
there's some really good lines. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Because you're Batman, that's how. Yeah, because you're Batman, that's how. Freaking great. <laughs> they've got uh, the, then they've got uh, like they flash forward to. Uh, a month later and how they're all dealing with this stuff. And it's like, okay, well we cleared up all the weeds at least. <laughs> yeah, I mean like, like it, one month later and all the overgrown uh, plants are gone, mm-hmm. even though we're rebuilding. Like, yeah, it only took a month. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. God, in the new 52 Gotham has been like essentially destroyed like five times. Mm-hmm. So, like, once per year, roughly. Why would anyone live there? Like, it's not even how it used to be, to where it's, like, all these supervillains and crime. You got that, but also, every once a year, something destroys your city. Mm-hmm. But th- he gives a big speech about... That's, uh... He does. They do talk about that, actually. That's yeah. why people love Gotham, because it reinvents itself, and it's new, and you can change and do whatever. And it's your city. It's not yeah. your father's city or grandfather's city, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Yeah, reinvents reinvents itself and rebuilds itself every year mm-hmm. because it's taken down by <laughs> maniacs or superstorms or whatever. Yeah. But Wait, still- like, how is, how is the Riddler ever going to top himself now? It's like, well, my first outing, I basically shut the entire thing down and turned it into I Am Legend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, I'll never top myself. Yeah, it's true. There is during all this. There was also a Batman annual, and. I didn't include it. It was kind of a tie-in, but I didn't include it because it's not a main part of the story, and there's a whole lot of issues here anyway. Mm-hmm. But the Batman annual is not too bad um, because it's like it jumps back to like present day, mm-hmm. and it's just basically a Riddler story. He uh, he goes and like infiltrates Wayne Tower and all this, so that's kind of interesting. I guess that I, I don't really know where I was going, but I like how they have him. I think it's at the end of this one. Like in a straight jacket suspended in the air. Uh huh. Yeah, he's got all those strings again. He's <laughs> he's the first supervillain they put in Arkham. Then mm-hmm. really, because they're like you know, he'll Black, he'll escape if we don't. Yeah, do Black something. Ace not equipped to deal with him. Yeah, and they're like, well, Arkham is, and like, well, and Gotham wants their villains. They they want to keep track of him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they even make a you know, hopefully you know, let's not make a habit of putting Madman in here. Blah 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 or whatever. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's kind of interesting. When that's kind of the end, they go, I mean, they end it with that little thing with Alfred daydreaming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Bruce basically saying, I'm never going to quit, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, the art. They're, th- okay, that part where Alfred's like, you know, there's this, this girl from your school, blah, 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 over here trying to, you know, like, hey, go talk to her. And when Bruce Wayne tells tells him, just so you know. I'm never going to quit. And there's a little panel with Alfred's, like, it's kind of a close-up of Alfred's eyes or face. And the look on it, oh, it's heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. But, like, Capullo really nails, like, just the look on Alfred's face. Mm -hmm. Really good. Capullo's really good at, like, playing with panels. And, Mm -hmm. and, like, he's he's one of the best for these flashbacks. Mm -hmm. You know, because he does. He jumps back and forth. And he does it in a way that doesn't feel particularly jarring because he'll do like like the scenes where Bruce as a kid is sneaking off to the theater well we're going to see that in 
a series of panels that are actually a film, like a film strip, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and he'll, he'll do that kind of thing. And like way back to the court of owls, you know, like how am I going to represent uh Batman just going insane? Well, I'm going to do something funky with the panel layout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ultras. Yeah. The panel layout's crazy. And then as he like, Oh man, not to get into that, but I, that's one of my favorite things that he's done is as Batman goes more and more crazy on these hallucinogens in this maze, like he's drawn like a monster, like the art mm-hmm. makes him look insane. Yeah. And so, the, yeah, that's that's one of the things that Capullo is just kind of brilliant at, is those kinds of transitions. Mm-hmm. I really am not very familiar with his other stuff. I know he's a, was a big Spawn guy. He worked on Spawn for a long time. So, I mean, I don't know that that's where he got renowned, how he got renowned, but I know he came from that. I should. Really well, then we get some interesting twists. I mean, it's almost a horror background. So when it, when you're dealing with Batman and how fear is a huge element, I think he can draw on that pretty heavily. And it's kind of interesting that he'll like, he can do grotesque, like all the bone stuff mm-hmm. and the horror stuff. But at the same time, his characters have, uh, I don't want to say cartoony, but a less, a more of a, like I said, a rounder, more like softer stylized look than like some other comics where it's a more realistic. They they base. seem like a, a, a more cartoony. Um, what is it? What is it? A, God, I'm gonna say Rockwell, the the guy that used to do all the magazine covers. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Norman Rockwell. Yeah. yeah. It's like it's like those characters except more cartoony. Yeah, exactly. It's got like a a friendly yeah a friendly look. On it's like a it's like a little bit more realistic than what we were used to with the Batman the animated series style. Uh-huh. You got the square jaws and everything. It really reminds me of like Tony Moore's. I mean, you know, we'll be getting into uh, Walking Dead eventually, but like that first volume is all Tony Moore Walking Dead, and you've got the square jaw. Really clean look uh, to Rick, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that—that's what I kept thinking of uh, in the early pages, where you see the overgrown Gotham. It's like this really reminds me of Tony Moore a well, little bit. And you—you you recently were talking about um, how in those earlier Walking Dead's, um, Rick looks super young, and that's one thing that always that struck me initially with Capullo's art is. Like Bruce Wayne looks super young. A lot of the characters look very young. Mm-hmm. Just oh, the way yeah. he draws faces. You put uh, Grayson and well, you put them all together, and it's like, okay, well, Batman looks about as young as Grayson does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They could be brothers as opposed to adoptive fathers. Mm-hmm. So that's a really interesting. Like you take that, but then add in his his more grotesque things he'll do, and some of the details he'll put on gore and. Oh man, I really like some of the covers to these. Mm-hmm. There's awesome covers. I like the one where Batman's—it's got like the skeleton, the hand claw coming out of the ground. It's huge, and Batman's standing on it. And then there's the one where it looks like, on the cover anyway, it looks like Batman's been injected with stuff or whatever. So he's got the huge teeth overbite, but there's also like some like teethy looking things coming out of his chest. Mm-hmm. Some cool yeah. covers. I'll be sad when. Snyder and Capullo are off Batman. I think DC will leave them on there as long as they're willing to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think Capullo said, I just want to do Batman. Like he's like, as long as you'll keep me doing it, I'll 
keep doing it. Um, but eventually I'm sure it'll happen. They'll be off of the book and mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. They just have done so well. And I'm not a fanboy, a, a Snyder fanboy to the point where I think every issue is a masterpiece. There's been a few little dips, I think, that I'm not a fan of. Um, there was a little two story arc in between big arcs in Batman with Clayface. It wasn't bad, but I didn't think it was that great. And I'm not. It seems like his long game is better than his short game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. But someday they'll be off the book and I'll be bummed, but hopefully they stay on it for a long time. Well, maybe the, yeah. maybe the next people will be just as good too. Mm-mm. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, nope. Well, and that's not to say though. I think I think the Batman and Robin creative team is really good. Mm-hmm. Again, not not every issue is a masterpiece, but I think for the most part they've been nailing it, and they brought Robin back to life and gave him superpowers, and that's something incredibly difficult to pull off. But so far they've pulled it off. I've been into it. I want to see him fight Superman. Yeah. <laughs> well, he can fly and he's super strong. I know. If if he figures out he has, like, laser eyes and, like, cold breath, then uh-huh. bam. It's on. Nightwing. Kryptonian Nightwing. Crypto- yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone is Nightwing. Everyone is Nightwing. Well, except for Nightwing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's Grayson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm interested, I, I should know, I've looked at a list, but I'm interested to see what DC books are coming back after this convergence thing. Mm-hmm. I know Batman is for sure, you know, all well, their big course. flagships are, but. How many Batmans though? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I, uh, will we have a Batwing? I don't think so. I could be wrong. Actually, I think. And what's the Owl guy? Does he still have his own series or did No, that Talon's been done for quite a, that didn't last all that oh, long. Yeah. Um, maybe a year, year and a half. I have them all. I haven't read them all. I felt it. It was a little disappointing. It's not a bad series, Talon. Um, and I was really kind of excited because I was like, sure, it's a spinoff book. It's a character, you know, it's essentially a, a character. But it's a new character. Well, <laughs> yeah. They don't do that very often anymore. Yeah. And I was like, the Talons are kind of freaking cool. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it, it was just, you know, it was kind of so-so, and then it didn't last very long. Um, yeah, I don't remember. I wish I had the list on hand, but I'm not going to take the time to look it up. But Okay, anyway, so Batman, Zero Year, final thoughts. This has gone on for a long time. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> it was good. I, I enjoyed it. I was surprised because, again, it was the it was the story that I was like, okay, I don't want to read it in origin. But mm-hmm. having read it now, I'm like, wow, I really should have just kept reading because it was pretty well, good. And you brought up an interesting point in a message you sent me is that you're not only getting that, but you're essentially getting the Joker origin and a Riddler origin. So that helps break it up and add more interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if that Dr. Death, well, hmm. I don't know. You're that getting he, his story too. Yeah. And he is, I don't know the original character, but he is an original old school Batman villain, Dr. Mm-hmm. Death. I doubt he looked like he does here. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I should go back and check it out. But yeah, he's 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 a pull from like early Batman books. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Yeah, that's and that's kind of like you know like well I don't know this is a tangent but like when new school new school uh, Doctor Who pulls in the macra, you know it's like okay that's you didn't need it to be the macra but it's so cool that it was. 
Mm-hmm. Or in Time of the Doctor, where the 11th Doctor regenerates, they have a monoid finger puppet. Okay, well, you probably didn't need a monoid. But the fact that it is a monoid is such a nice nod for the people that have been around for so long. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 kind of fan service and also just like an ode and homage to, like, yeah, the roots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the legacy of this character that's been around for so long. Mm-hmm. Um. I liked I liked Zero Year quite a bit. Uh, I don't. You, I guess you know. I don't think you're supposed to like compare it to Year One. Between the two, as a Batman like origin story, I love Year One. <clears throat> it's awesome, and you get a. I guess you kind of get a Gordon origin story here too. But Year One, you get a Gordon origin story. Um, I like the tone of it. It's all dark. It's kind of small scale. It's moody. Um, yeah. So between the two, year one's awesome, but I don't think anybody's debating that. Uh, right. But I think they didn't even debate it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But zero year, I think, is pretty strong. It has its. It definitely has its strong point. Um, there's a lot more fun in it than I would have expected, mm-hmm. and I don't think it's as memorable. But it's definitely good writing. I am going to disagree with you. A little bit because, you know, I have issues remembering anything anyway, mm-hmm. but especially Batman because I read too many Batman things and they all get confused in my head. Um, but I think it's because some of it, it was just like so over the top extreme stuff happening. Makes it more memorable. But yeah, like when you, when I started reading it, I'm like, I just got done reading this and I remember it all. Uh-huh. And that never happens to me. But I, but I did, I remembered it all, but I read it again anyway. And I'm like, yeah, I, I actually, you know, know this story because whatever. Well, and I, I guess to kind of back up that point, I get uh, year one and the long Halloween confused in my head a lot. Oh, that's interesting. Because, yeah, I could see that. They're kind of similar, you know, mm-hmm. they have similar themes anyways, even though they're not even the same writer, you know, it's, but it's a I, I do. They blend. They blend really well, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And fortunately. Yeah, that's not a bad point. Um, I guess it, like... It stands out against other yeah, Batman. <laughs> zero Year is kind of so... So insane. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like... that. It, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. It's like, uh... The Tenth Doctor... Uh, saving the universe, and then saving time, and then saving everything. It's so huge. You know, it's like yeah. so huge. Yeah, you'll never forget when he was the Dobby Doctor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so yeah, good story. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, if I can pull up Grolics, dot com, where you should be visiting, listener. Um, I'll check out the poll list. I actually think it's a three-way tie again. Oh. Well, tell me what it is and I'll vote. (laughs) I'll break that tie. (laughs) Well, you and... You two can decide between them then. Okay. Because I have voted. I actually kind of... I kind of contribute. To be fair this time, though... Well, if there's two, we can flip a coin. If there's three, we can't. I think I contributed to it being a three-way tie. Ah, Randy... My phone, my our Wi-Fi is being. Uh, not oh, I can pull it up. Okay, is yeah. it just on the Grolix? Yep, it's just on the Grolix. Grolixpodcast dot com. It'll be in the right sidebar. 
scroll down a little bit, and you can vote on what we read every month. Yes, please do. We need to stop these ties. Insert awesome Melanie clip here. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'll insert that little. I'll insert that little. Uh, you yeah, can vote. It's democracy in action. Yeah, I'll insert that clip. Fun. Here. It's educational. We read what you tell us to, but first you have to exercise your voice. Cast your vote on GrawlixPodcast.com and tell us what poll list pick we're reading next. Then, listen to the next episode to hear what we thought of your recommendation. Don't see your favorite comic on the list? That's okay, you can write it in. If your candidate isn't chosen, just wait. It may be the next time. Your vote stays in place until it wins. It's fun, it's interactive, it's educational. It's true democracy in action. I don't know why the the little widget's not pulling up for me. I've got everything else. Oh, is it not? Pull list. Maybe that's why nobody votes. Nobody can see it. <laughs> well, I saw it earlier. I saw it the other day because I was curious where things were at. If you go to um, reading list, I, it'll also be on that page. It'll be like somewhere oh, in the center okay. on that page. Hopefully. I mean, if it's not popping up on that page. Okay, one- here, here we go. Yeah, now, now the widget's loading for whatever reason. Okay, looks like we've got... Oh, that's an interesting three-way tie. We got Fables. Okay. We've got Batman Arkham Asylum. Okay. And we have Marvel Bring on the Bad Guys. <laughs> okay. Okay, so I'm going to vote against Marvel Bring on the Bad Guys because that's all origins of bad guys. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Good call. Well, and it's, an, it's enormous, too. I mean... It's it's a big one, so we'd almost have to if we do when if we do Marvel bring on the bad guys, which I you know I'm not saying we can't do it. I think we need to break it up because it's it's like novel length. It's oh. it's a tome, okay? Not, not like a not like a six issue trade. So I would say better. So okay, so <laughs> it's between how do we want to play this? Yeah, it's between Fables and which Batman? Arkham Asylum. Yep. Um, I'm inclined, well, okay, I said it's up to you guys, so it's up to you guys. I'm inclined to say Fables, since we just did a Batman, but that is up to you guys. We did just do Batman. That sounds reasonable to me, rather than do, because that would be three months of Batman. We did old Batman, we did (laughs) old, old new Batman, and then we'd do Batman. And listen, I could do Batman every month, but that's not necessarily what people want to hear. Mm-hmm. Plus, eventually, we'll be treading the same ground. So, so uh, do we want to do fables or abbreviated? Bring on the bad guys. I say fables. Although, yeah. I, th- I think we, we need, need to come up with a way to handle Marvel. Bring on the bad guys before we sign on to it. What do you think, Bony? I've read fables. Mm-hmm. I, I I read. Yeah. Yeah, you're. I don't think you're qu- quite current, but you're coming up pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um. It's ending soon, I believe. Yeah. So, um, I'm okay with that because I've already read it and I'll reread it. But, I mean, it's good. I like it. But the beginning is not as good as it, it gets really good. But the beginning is not the best. Okay. Well, can you think of a section that we can jump to? Because I'm sure they it's released in multiple volumes. It's mm-hmm. been going for a long time, like 10 years or something. I don't know. I'd have to look at them maybe. Well, we should pick a volume. Mm-hmm. So we'll look and see what what issues have been broken into what trades. Mm-hmm. 
And if you think there's one somewhere in the middle or somewhere that's like a better read than the beginning Mm -hmm. that we can read without necessarily missing out on like early stuff. I mean, it's fables, so I don't know what kind of origins there are for these characters. Yeah. I was going to say, it's like, you know, it's it's most of them are characters, you know, some of them are multiple characters. Okay. Like there's a guy that's Jack and he's, you know, the Jack from five different stories, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that. But, um, you know. So we will read uh, some miscellaneous volume of fables, and we'll have Melanie pick out one that she thinks. Uh, and just to clarify, not Aesop's fables. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've got they've got like a game. I, I think they're going to come out with a show or a movie or something, so people know it. Yeah, yeah, we play. There's there's a Telltale Games did a. Uh, Wolf Among Us, which is a fables game. They just don't want to call it fables because of fable, the game. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. And I don't know, Jesse, how familiar you are with, like, Telltale games. They did uh, the Walking Dead games that are... Yeah, yeah, they did the Back to the Future one, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I love that one. We played the first episode of the fable one, of fables, uh, mm-hmm. Wolf Among Us, and really good. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. It's like a very... It's like a detective... Almost war thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really like that style of game. It was kind of cool. We'll have to play more of that. They also do, they also do, um, uh, a poker night game where they take like just about every pop culture thing they can get their hand on and, uh, like smash it up into a basic poker game. Oh, really? Like, uh, Sam and Max and, uh, the Borderlands characters mm-hmm. and Ash from Evil Dead and, um, Brock from, uh, was it Venture Brothers? Nice. Awesome. So all those guys like around the table. And it, it gets to be pretty fun. That's insane. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I never, yeah, Telltale Games is awesome. I, I never <laughs> I never knew that thing existed, but I want nothing more than that right now. Oh, they, and there's two of them. I mean, and I'm not even a big poker guy, but it's it's fun. I, the, yeah, Ash and Brock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, those anything. are the two that stuck out. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's Ash, Brock, and I think it's uh, Sam is in one of them, and then Max is in the new one. I think, or Max is the crazy little rabbit, isn't he? I'm not sure. I'm not super familiar. That's is that uh, uh, okay? Borderland stuff? Uh, no, that's uh, Sam and Max. Oh. But they even had their own little cartoon for a little while. I think actually, I think it's Sam. Oh. Sam is the gumshoe looking dog character. Oh, uh, okay, I know what you're talking Max about. Max is this little rabbit that's crazy. Okay, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And now for a word from our unpaid sponsors. Hey guys, this is Brandon from the Technology Geek podcast you can catch all of our shows on the technologygeek.org as well as on itunes and all other places where podcasts are carried we also have a wonderful blog and like i said we talk computers the internet programming cell phones and pretty much anything geek so come and visit us and uh, listen to our wonderful show at the technologygeek.org for all things nerdy, visit the Grawlix Podcast YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Podcast. There are new videos every week. Get the scoop on current headlines with Comic News Roundup, hosted by Animated Randall and Melanie. Listen to full podcast reruns with chapter skips to jump right to the stories that interest you. And access to the all-new and amazing shows that try to pop out of our brains and into your eye holes. That's youtube.com slash Podcast. All right. 
the final Swamp Studies. I might continue Swamp Studies on YouTube. It'll be different, you know. But I'm really curious to read past this section. Mm -hmm. But, like, I'm sure sure now that you've read it, Jesse, you can kind of see why I don't – I haven't wanted to read past it. Yeah. It's such an end. It, it yeah, it is an end, and but at the same time, they hint at a bunch of stuff. Like they hint at the return of Constantine. Mm-hmm. They have a little bit of you know, like when he's was it with Metron? Is it Metron? Is that his name? Um. Yeah. Yep. When he sees all time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know, I'm jumping ahead, but but yeah, I mean, since we're talking about the end, he looks past the end of Moore's run, so it's like apparently Moore was involved in it in some. Some respect. Interesting. Maybe people were just like, this is awesome. I'm going to run with it. Like they do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that could be. So we're talking about Saga the Swamp Thing, book number six. This is the last chunk of, of Swamp Thing written by uh, Alan Moore. Um, and this covers Swamp Thing issues what? 57 to 64. Okay. Uh, so this is it. Um, I guess we can start off. With initial impressions, that might be backwards, but no, it's okay. Um, I liked a lot of this because it's spacey, and I love spacey stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really interesting to take a character like Swamp Thing, that's like an Earth avatar, basically, uh-huh. and then put him out in space in these weird situations and make him have to deal with it. Yeah, I, I like I like that. Um, and, and so it makes the break, it makes the break from book five to book six kind of awkward because like book five had blue swamp thing. And now we kind of get different. I, they don't go like rainbow on him or anything, but they kind of imply that he's got a different color for a different wavelength or a different planet that he's on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they do that quite a bit. <laughs> you know, like the, the first couple are, are pretty much, that swamp thing on another planet, swamp thing on another planet, but he he deals with interesting things at each stop. Like he learns something new, and he has to deal with something like sentient plants, which he's never had to deal with. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. What is it, what does my power mean in a in a you know an ecology like that? Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. It it just it started to get a little bit long and a little bit esoteric in the middle somewhere, and I it started to get a little bit harder to read. I bet it was that one. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm with you. Like you had said, this had been uh, the harder, uh, uh, the more, maybe a more difficult book to get through in the Swamp Thing stories. Um, I'm with you. I remember having trouble getting through some of it. I, like... Some of the stories I really like. Um, some of them are, are are pretty excellent, and then some of them just kind of dragged for me, and I wasn't that involved, interested. I like the yeah. I like the concepts behind like all of them. I like the concept of of Swampy shooting through space and bouncing from planet to planet in these different s- scenarios. Um, that's almost could I mean other than the fact that it kind of got tedious that could almost be a setup for its own series you know it's like a lost in sure. space mm-hmm. yeah yeah but uh uh I like it but this is this is like the one book for sure where I'm like 
oh, this is my favorite. This could be my favorite. Oh, this story, you know, how I usually am on all the other books. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sure. This is not my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) That's not to say there's not good stuff in there. It's good, but yeah, it's, it's definitely kind of like, it's kind of like the tying up loose ends Mm -hmm. volume Mm -hmm. more than anything. It's definitely a little harder to get through than some of the other stuff has been. When I didn't know if maybe part of that was the fact that I knew it's the last one. Yeah. And maybe it was a little bit of not wanting to let go kind of thing happening too. But also the prosy stuff gets kind of thick in this volume. Mm-hmm. Particularly in this one issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a total format change too. Like the art's different. The, mm-hmm. the prose is different. The whole storytelling dynamic is different. Mm-hmm. That one's really out there. Okay, yeah. well, okay. Melanie's got Melanie's got uh, a little list here. We, so we start at issue fifty-seven. What do we got? Um, he is uh, on the planet Ran, R-A-N-N. Um, it's the red one, uh, which is Adam Strange's other oh yeah planet that he lives on. I found this one interesting at first. But this became one of the ones that I was kind of like, uh, I don't really care about these characters. Let's kind of get through this one. Yeah, I, I didn't particularly. Uh, this one, and actually, I mean, we'll talk about it in a minute. The next one also. It's the same story. It like, yeah. Yeah. Um, the only, really, the only, it's like political weird stuff is going on and whatever. And mm-hmm. the, the only uh, in, thing that I really remember about it was he basically saved a lot of people by making stuff grow. And I'm like, well, yeah, they just need uh, their own swamp thing. And then they won't have to worry about it anymore. Well, and all they needed to do was rent a swamp thing. Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Really? Exactly. (laughs) That's what I boiled down to is like, okay, well we need you help us out. And this has got, it's not actual Hawkman, right? It's just like, no, that's the next one. People. It's the Thanagorian. Is that this one? I thought that was the next one. Well, I mean, they're kind of the tight end of the same. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, 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 okay. two, yeah. It's two issues of this kind of two-parter. Um, two-parter, yeah. Okay, they okay. They lay it out, and then then it, the plot thickens in the second one. Right. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, they might not come into it till more into the second issue, but mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I thought it was interesting because we start on Earth, if I remember right. I actually okay. I, I wanted to reread this since this was the last one, but I didn't. I didn't get time, but. If I remember right, uh, we start off with Adam Strange on Earth. Yeah, and there's like a mall where he's supposed to, like his crossroads, mm-hmm. where he's uh, supposed to access mm-hmm. the planetary jump or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so he's got to like find the jump point, and it's somewhere in the middle of the building. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so that was interesting. And then, and then from there, you know, we follow him, and he jumps back to jumps to this planet, and yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, this one was okay. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I I just wasn't super invested in this one. Adam Strange is, I don't know him very well, but could be an interesting character. Have you ever read much with, with him? Anybody? No. Uh, he's, he's strikes me as kind of a Flash Gordon. Yeah, yeah, very much. Character. I, I think it was interesting, but I also, like, Reading reading this one, I wondered, like, is this a thing that DC wanted him to do to kind of boost, mm-hmm. uh, you know, maybe boost that storyline? Or was this something that, you know, since they knew he was leaving, maybe he wanted 
to sandbox this planet mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I kind of wondered why they pulled this in because they didn't. They, the only other time they do that is in a future issue with uh, Dark Side. Yeah, that's but a good the rest point. of them, like the rest of them, barely have any kind of DC. Uh, you know, it, it didn't. It felt a little more forced, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. I don't know. Well, no, yeah, and you have a good point because there's a whole lot of happenings that have nothing to do with Swamp Thing, mm-hmm. if I remember right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like it doesn't even show him for a big chunk of it. So. Maybe that's part of why I didn't like it. I was like, what is, where's this going? I don't understand. Mm-hmm. I just want to, I want to see Swampy. Yeah. And you know how many <laughs> planets there are in the, in the freaking multiverse or universe, whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and he's got to hop on ones with characters we know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which actually, for the most part, I mean, it, it happens a little bit, but isn't that big of a, yeah, like, this is really the only one. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay. So move on from that one. Yeah. Okay, what's the next? That's 58, that's, I guess, the continuation. Okay. But, yeah. yeah. Okay, so then 59. I actually forgot this one was in there. Um, But, yeah. Abby meets her father, except he's a... um, Like a Frankenstein thing, Yeah, he's like a Frankenstein zombie type creature. And he's kind of rough looking. And this is another one of those moments where I'm like, poor Abby. Yeah, for sure. It's like any bad thing that can happen has to happen to Abby. Yeah, this is... Every bad thing that could happen to Abby Abby happens to Abby. And this is just like, it's just felt like just extra unnecessary cruelness Mm -hmm. in her life. Well, they even start in hell, don't they? Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. With, uh... Um, yeah, with the uncle and yeah. Yeah. And I could be wrong, but doesn't even, wasn't one of the demons even is like, wow, that was, you know, Mm -hmm. the idea is like, wow, that was extra messed up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They gotta, they, they have to like punish her for existing. Yeah. Yeah. Abby, Abby gets the raw deal on everything Mm -hmm. throughout this whole series. I know. Um, but yeah, I remember this one being really a kind of a bummer. Yeah. Well, it is like it was kind of a surprise. It's like, oh man, we're going back to, to how crappy her life is. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, that's why I'm saying I, I I kind of forgot that one was in there because it's like, oh, there's there's a little bit of Abby in there, and it's ah, poor Abby. Uh huh. And it's not like even you know, oh, I get to see my dead father. It's like, He's- it's like. Everything I care about has to be tormented also because it's associated with Yeah, me. and turned into this strange, perverse, mm-hmm. these horrible monsters, and yeah. yeah. That is gonna die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then we go from that one to number 60, which I refer to as planet rape. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep, this is the one. <laughs> yeah. I uh, was, I've been this whole time. Okay, this one's super memorable just because it's so out there. Mm-hmm. Um, this whole time I've been waiting to get to this one to kind of see what you guys had to say about it. Um, it's different, that's for sure. I enjoyed it just because I didn't, well, as an issue, it's not like 
my favorite at all. But I just liked it because I'm, I could be like, oh my god, Randy, holy crap, when you see this, it's like I so rem- weird. Yeah, I remember you, you read it before I did mm-hmm. and commented th- on it. Th- that's the reason I like it because I know somebody else is going to get to it and I can be like, huh, you see? <laughs> you see? You see? <laughs> <laughs> but like, the whole thing is from this planet or, I, it's it's I guess it's a creature, but it's like a planet. Yeah, like a living planet thing. Yeah, it's all from its perspective, mm-hmm. which is weird. And it's like long. It's a lot of long passages on this one. Mm-hmm. It's like a short story, almost rather mm-hmm. than a a comic book. And it's almost uh, the art style is is dramatically different. It's almost mm-hmm. like like oh I don't even know what it's called. It's like, like a photo. Cr- Photo manipulation, almost, but not. Yeah, it's like a crazy mixed media type mm-hmm. uh, artwork. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I looked at the date after the fact to see if it was a like an April Fool's episode. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, "What is this?" So I went back and said, oh, "Nope, it's the May issue." So if it was uh, April Fools, it was late. Well, although, uh. Usually comics are like, for whatever reason, I don't understand. I've never really understood it, but they're dated like a month behind when they actually release. If you think about it, like when a comic comes out, it's usually dated for the next month. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. So it could have been. Well, I mean, like the cover's different, like mm-hmm. from stem to stern, it's different. Yeah. It's the Swamp Thing logo is totally different. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, everything's got a completely different look. It's very alien uh-huh. yeah I I, I I I just wonder how this one came about yeah why is it so different I mean it looks like 50s sci-fi style for mm-hmm. the cover mm-hmm. and then and then they jump right back to the normal swamp thing letterhead for uh 61 yeah they say new for they like they say new format underneath the issue number but they go back to you know, mm-hmm. a normal cover or a regular cover. Yeah, maybe the new format. They're like, oh, 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 no, 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 no. Let's not do this. April Fools <laughs> in May. Yeah, yeah. But somewhere out in the universe, then there's a, a half swamp swamp thing planet floating around. <laughs> yeah. Which um, is insane. So yeah, this planet's really lonely. Kind of. <laughs> I, I think it's like its whole existence is just to wait. For another of its kind to meet up with it so it can get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Swamp Thing, unfortunately, be, is the thing that happens by. Mm-hmm. And, and they're like, she's like, or whatever. I guess it's a she. It's like, yeah, I think this will work. I'm not going to let him get away. I'm going to, this is some weird, like, time oh, m- yeah. manipulation to keep him there so she can suck out his juices. And then I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, he gets he gets all kinds of, like... Tore up and he gets raped by a planet. He, it's insane. He, yeah, it's really bizarre. I thought I think the artwork as an experimentation in parts was interesting. That doesn't seem like the same proper grammar, but anyway. Um, but in other parts, I I remember not caring for it. Mm-hmm. It's you know what it reminds me of. It reminds me of uh, Ralph Bakshi's Lord of the Rings animation. Okay, yeah, yeah, I can, yeah, I kind of see that. Because it's like, you know, I, I don't know, I'm like, it's cutting edge for that time, but it looks like somebody was having a lot of fun with Photoshop, uh, with, not even, was it filters? 
Mm-hmm. Not layers, but filters, like yeah. just doing like an emboss. I'm going to throw emboss on this. Mm-hmm. or You know, I mean, and then taking different things and, and just layering them on top of each other, like digital watches and, and yeah. calculators and yeah. all sorts of stuff. Yeah, the I think they were trying to invent steampunk because it was supposed to be like mechanical also, the thing, and it was weird. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm going to have the front of a camera, but I'm going to put a bunch of pressure gauges on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. The thing is, it's one of those where you're like, you want somebody else to read it. So, like Melanie said, you could be like, see? But it's really hard to know what to say about it. Because mm-hmm. it's not really good, necessarily. It's just, <laughs> Sorry. you know... Someone out there loves this one. Someone out there, this is their favorite one, and they're like, been waiting this entire time for us to talk about it. It was like, this is the best one. And we're like, I'm not sure that it's good per se. <laughs> yeah. I, okay, it, you know, if it was like a, just a short story, somebody had written a thing, mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, that's an interesting short story. But it's especially weird because it's a Swamp Thing comic. It's, yeah, um, as a Swamp yeah. Thing, it's it's not at all what you expect when you crack open Swamp Thing. Yeah. Not to say it's outside of the realm of something that could happen in Swamp Thing. Well, at this uh, point, at least, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. And Alan Moore definitely experiments with different concepts a lot, but this is probably, this one was probably a bad acid trip. Yeah. Yeah. Even for, even for Swamp Thing though, this one's really out there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm glad it's there. It's like I said, it's memorable, Mm -hmm. Uh, but, and this, it was kind of like, since it is, I mean, I don't mind a wordy comic book. But yeah, it, you do. It well, kind of. It just depends. You remember that one Batman one that I had to come and like read you several lines from? I have not read that one yet. I know you haven't because it's wordy. It's like almost all words. Well, that's but it's great. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Well, yeah, she's talking about the uh, Grant Morrison Batman issue where it's pretty much just a. It's just prose. It's just a book in comic book form, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but. I mean, but the thing is, when you're expecting a comic book, mm-hmm. you're in a different mindset. Yeah. Like, to go to long passages of prose mm-hmm. is kind of a switching of gears. Yeah. And when you're reading something serialized, um, and it is a little bit like Jesse said, where you're like, on the one hand, you don't want it to end because you know you're coming up to the end. But then on the other hand, you're like, well, it's, but it's still serialized and I want to get to where, I want to see where this is going. I want to get to the next jump and see what's happening. Yeah. And not spend 10 years on one comic. I understand. Yeah. And so it does slow it down. So Mm -hmm. you're kind of like, well, this is crazy, but I also kind of want to, let's get past this strange bit of unpleasantness. But then when you do. (laughs) Even the next one is a little wordy. Yeah, like the next issue is is not as wordy, and it's it's back to the normal, the normal art style, mm-hmm. but it's wordy too. I mean, like a lot of it is inner monologue stuff. Mm-hmm. Sixty one, the next issue, um, is about a planet of sentient plants that he jumps into, and since he takes over plant life, he's taking over sentient life this is my favorite in this book mine too actually yeah this one's uh yeah because it's it's new it's like okay yeah sentient plant life 
uh, yeah, he takes over. It's it's almost like like the way that that planet kind of just you know affects him. Now he's forced to uh, kind of deal with the same deal, where it's like, oh, mm-hmm. you didn't mean to, but you did. Yeah, no, that's. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I love they they refer to him as the horror. And I'm yeah. like, that's fantastic. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's. I guess when you when you look at when you look at them, per, the last issue and going into these issues, is you do kind of have, you know, it, they kind of fit. The ideas kind of fit where Swamp Thing comes across this this strange planet, and the planet's kind of like, whoa, and does something to Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. Well, then Swamp, the next, then we jump to the next one and Swamp Thing comes to this strange planet and does something messed up to the people of this strange planet. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think, you know, I like this because he gets there and it is horrific because Mm -hmm. they set up a lot of these like just miscellaneous plant, uh, characters. Mm -hmm. And then once Swamp Thing gets there and things really start to go awry, it's, it's pretty messed up Mm -hmm. and like more has taken time to like, establish some of these characters so you get like i mean not super involved in them but you have like there's there's feels about it you're like oh man mm-hmm. you know that yeah. that plant couple and yeah all that. that's the main one the plant couple mm-hmm. but if he could have jumped there into a plant i don't think it would have been well there was like trees and stuff that they seem to live in right yeah mm-hmm. so i mean but it, it kind of seems like he couldn't really control it at that mm-hmm. point. Well, and that's kind of part of what I'm saying. If he could have gone and just gone into, like, one, it wouldn't have been, been a thing. But, like, he got there and it, like, sucked up. Everything he'd come across. Yeah. And it was the the mushing together of the peoples mm-hmm. that... Each jump feels like a leap of faith for him. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, he doesn't even know where he's going to land. It's just like, he doesn't have a choice in how he lands. Mm-hmm. But when he lands... In this one, it's like he landed with a cannonball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do refer to him as the horror. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, these couple, uh, the planet one is totally from the point of view of the planet, and then this one you jump to, and it's kind of from the point of view of these these plant people. Mm-hmm. The plant people. Yeah. <laughs> so it's interesting to, and then I guess even the Adam Strange stuff. It's like I said, part of what I didn't like about it is, is it wasn't really about Swamp Thing. You've got all this other stuff going on, and mm-hmm. he's just kind of a cursory character, but that still kind of continues. I mean, he plays a bl- much larger role in the stories, but after Blue Heaven, um, a lot of the jumps aren't really from his point of view. It's not about how he's dealing with this. It's about how where he lands is dealing with him. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. They did an interesting thing with the panels on, uh, was it page nine of this ish- issue where they have a, a whole page and the panels are set up and, uh, it's different scenes, but the whole page as a whole basically shows, uh, Swamp Thing's face. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Like, like a picture frame looking thing and then the mountain and, uh, yeah. And then the people are inside of him, like looking through his eyes type mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. And that's, I mean, besides being sucked up into a creature, it would be horrible. The, the, everybody can see each other's mm-hmm. thoughts and feelings. And that's what makes it a bad time for, for everybody. And, um, 
I think that's kind of fascinating to me. Uh, yeah, I think more, more really like took that concept and it like wasn't just that he swamp thing inhabits these plant people, you know, and takes control of their bodies. It's like he does really interesting and bizarre stuff with what that does to the people and their consciousness. And, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of about ends up a little bit being about how, uh, people interact with each other and how they, yeah, it's, Mm -hmm. it's interesting. There's a lot going on in there. When, and this parallels the blue one in an interesting way in that in the blue, blue planet, he creates, he creates voices for all these people. But in this one, now he's got to deal with the idea of having, actually having those voices in his head Mm -hmm. and he can't handle it. He kind of goes off the rails at first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we get um, a plant green lantern. Yeah. In this one, there's a, there's a, a big, a big, you know, plot point with a, the green lantern of this area mm-hmm. of this sector from this planet. And he's the one who saves the day, basically. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, he does. Doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And then are we moving on? Sure. The next one is 62. Um, uh, I, I forget where exactly. Oh, that's the new God stuff, huh? Yeah. He meets new gods. Um, and goes to, what is the name of that well? Is it just called the well? No, it's, it's like a, I don't know. Never mind. Pretend I didn't say that. And, um, meets Metron and his Mobius yeah. chair. In the Mobius chair? Yes. Yeah. Oh, real quick. So that last issue was just a one issue? Yes. Oh, that's mm-hmm. interesting. I, th- it seemed like that was a longer one, but. Okay, cool. I actually don't remember this one much, so if you guys want to talk about it, because I don't remember. Oh, it kind of ties into the last one because at the end of at the end of the uh, of the sentient plant life one, he gets kind of trapped by that Green Lantern, mm-hmm. and he basically exists as a wavelength. Mm-hmm. And then when he arrives here at this point, this nexus or whatever it is with Metron, he's in good control of it and he can jump from wavelength to wavelength. And, uh, so that's how he's able to become, uh, the Mobius chair. Yeah. And kind of help the, the story progress and get to the different areas. This one's interesting. I've never read, uh, a whole lot, uh, dealing with the new gods. Um, but, they're kind of, uh, they struck, I don't know, they're interesting to me. I should look more into it. Uh, do you know, Jesse, uh, about like what decade were the new gods created? Do you know? Oh, I don't. They feel, um, I, they're, they're heavy, they start to really play in heavily in the, in the 80s and in this time period. I mean, like they're, they're involved in kind of tertiary ways in, in the, uh, uh crisis, which happened, you know, previously and that kind of thing. Uh, but it's interesting because they mention, you know, like later on, they mention what dark sides up to. And it's like, wow, it really took him a long time to come to the end game on that because he finally comes to the end game on that in final crisis, which just happened, you know, maybe five years ago, if that. Oh, wow. Really? So like they reference it way back then in this issue. And, uh, 
then we finally get the payoff a couple of years ago. <laughs> That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, they get referenced pretty heavily in a lot of different things. I mean, even, um, even in Smallville, they, you know, they make nods to dark side and granny goodness and all the, all the stuff that's happening on apocalypse and granny goodness is that. Well, I, I ask mainly because they look like seventies characters a lot of times. Yeah, yeah they do. Yeah. And, I don't know. I mean, I, I would have to say early or not. Yeah. Early eighties or, or late seventies somewhere in there. And granny goodness is, I kind of love that character because it's so bizarre. Yeah. That's kind of an aside, but yeah, it's mm-hmm. so bizarre. And the mother box, I love that they call them the mother boxes. Those, that's weird. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, I, I, I'm having a hard time remembering exactly what happened. I remember this guy is very upset that his Mobius chair is being jacked with. Mm-hmm. Okay, the New Gods looks like Volume One was published in 1971. Mm-hmm. So pretty, oh, yeah, there we go. pretty close there. Seventies, a little, a little. Um, oh, what's the word? Hangover from the sixties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. That totally makes sense. They just always look like, cause even they'll still use some of them. I mean, dark sides, dark side, but like granny goodness, they'll still use granny goodness in modern comics, but she still yeah. looks like you can tell just from like the, they draw the, a lot of those characters with the real, real stocky and stout. And that just yeah. looks like a very stylized seventies thing that they, continued to carry over as like, well, that's just what these characters look like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they tweak things, but all of the, yeah, all of the characters still retain a level of like almost Jack Kirby esque yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like DC. And I don't even know, maybe, maybe Kirby was working for DC at this time, but, uh, they, they all have kind of that like tuning fork <laughs> motif to them. I mean, I think even Metron has a little bit of that in his outfit. Yeah, I'm not sure what else to say about this one. I remember liking some of the concepts. The main things that kind of happen in it is that they have to travel through all these wavelengths. So you get Swampy kind of flexing his new ability to do so. Uh-huh. And uh, and Metron is wanting to find the source of everything. And uh, so that's what they're doing is they're kind of pushing towards the source. The source like, wall, that's what I was thinking of that the, I couldn't remember the, earlier. Oh. Okay, yeah. And so you get to see a lot of weird things as you get closer and closer to the source. And at one point they have to push through they have to push through like everything, like experiencing all things and all time yeah. and all at once. And that's when Swampy kind of loses it a little bit. Uh and and eventually they find out well that's not even really the source. That was just a tip of it. And there's this whole like two page spread of panels of him just seeing different things. That's right. Yeah. It's like, and he, so he, sorry, I was going to say, it's like he like, ate his own fruit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. So like when he comes out the other side, basically in order to come out the other side, he kind of focuses on Abby. And his own timeline, but he sees everything happening at once. And that's where we're kind of getting like snippets and glimpses at what might happen after the Alan Moore run. Mm. So he's kind of a vegetable. <laughs> when they show up at uh, Darkseid doorstep. And uh, so 
like the little takeaway for Darkseid and the New Gods is that part of his anti-life equation has to include love. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. One of the one of the things that Darkseid hadn't really considered as being part of the equation, and uh, you know, see, having interacted with the Swamp Thing, he realizes it needs to be. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That's a uh, swampy having big effects mm-hmm. on the universe. Uh, and I find it funny that he has to focus on Abby to get through that to get home because in the next issue, number 63, he gets back to earth and he doesn't go and see Abby. Instead, he yeah. goes and gets revenge. <laughs> yeah. That's the first thing he does. And I, I like it because, um, he's usually not a bad guy, but he gets, it's, this is a revenge story. Oh yeah. So was well, that 63? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like Melanie says, it's, it's revenge time. And he, he actually does something he, uh, brought up in the Gotham, um, mm-hmm. when he was in Gotham and they had Abby and he was saying, uh, you have, there's flora inside every, inside everyone's like digestive tract and we could, he could go in and, you know, mess with them. And then he does. And it's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So he's, um. He's going after all the uh, what's I can't remember the name of the of the organization, but the Sunderland Corporation guys, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the organization that was chasing him down and they napalmed him and all that. He's going after all those guys, uh, but not Lex Luthor. I don't. Right. Think, I don't think he knew that Luther was involved at all. Oh, okay. So. Otherwise, but Luther just gave him the idea and then took off. Mm-hmm. Didn't actually pull the trigger, you know, be involved in any real way, I guess. Well, except you know, making it possible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that seems like a here's, Luther thing. He he's yeah. not really going to be involved, but you know, mm-hmm. here's here's the gun. What you do with it is up to you. Yeah, yeah. He's like an arms dealer kind of idea. Mm-hmm. He, he's like, I'm going to make a doomsday device and just leave it sitting here, but. I'm not going to worry about what happens to it. (laughs) I'm just going to leave this here. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Yeah, I like this issue a lot. I like this one. It's, you know, it's it's a revenge story. So it's, you know, got that, uh, you get that bit of uh, primal satisfaction from you're like, yeah. And at the same time, you also see like, each one of them has like a life and a family. That's true. <laughs> it kind of shows the collateral damage of each one and how they're like kind of messed up people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that one guy goes home to be doted on by his mom. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. In the, uh, isn't that the one where like he kind of floods the room with like flowers or something? Yeah. Like peach yeah. blossom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's another thing I hate. I hate to like, you know, uh, rally on this every time but that's just that's part of what makes Moore's writing so good is it's not just like these are the bad guys and Swamp Thing's gonna go back and take them out it's, these are the bad guys and now you're gonna see like all this crazy character stuff about these bad guys mm-hmm. you know yeah all these all this crazy detail um, that doesn't need to be there but it makes it so much more interesting that it is mm-hmm. yeah I think it's really weird also because, well, revenge, but 
most of the time he's being like defensive and trying to protect himself or people mm-hmm. from things. So to see him like be the aggressor and attack people mm-hmm. and not like, I mean like even like when he attacked this, Gotham, this, this is the city in general, he was trying to protect Abby and it didn't really seem like he was hurting people that much, but well, he, I mean, he was doing things that would co- that could cause people to get hurt, but he was never ever out now attacking somebody, murdering he was, people. He was flexing his muscles. He was trying to scare them. He's like, I, you know, this is what I can do to your city. Mm. It can be worse. Yeah, exactly. And Inter- interesting thing about how he like actually kills people in this is that he never fully materializes. Mm-hmm. The only time in this issue that he fully materializes is when he's back with Abby. Mm-hmm. The rest of the time, he's, like, using his abilities, but you don't see his face at all. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. That's definitely a, 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 a decision, too. That's definitely a choice mm-hmm. that they made. So, yeah, good point. Because, yeah, like, it's the one where he basically swallows the guy in roses, uh, drowns the guy in peach blossoms, uh, and then, uh, what are what are the other ones? Uh, the, yeah, the, the flora and fauna one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just, there's never a, there's never an actual, like, hand of Swamp Thing or, or face of Swamp Thing. Maybe that's who doesn't have to feel bad about it. Yeah, yeah. He has guilt. Yeah. Is is shame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't look at my face. Um. So yeah, so he in one fell, you know, one issue goes and pretty much takes care of most all of their enemies mm-hmm. or their obvious ones anyway. Or at least the ones that know how to. Yeah. Hurt him. Yeah. All right. So and I guess then the next one, sixty-four, the last one. That's he. After he's done murdering everybody, he goes back to the swamp and Abby. Mm-hmm. And this one or the last issue that you mentioned, or 63, I think it's 64, is titled Loose Ends Reprise. Because the first issue he wrote was Loose Ends, which was tidying up Loose Ends from the writer before him. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that um, symmetry, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one, yeah, he basically goes home. And he, I think, tells Abby about what he's been doing mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, and then, like, builds them a house out of swamp stuff. Yeah, builds them a swamp house. Yeah. It's it's very much a happily ever after type. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, look what I learned to do on the blue planet. Now we can live there with the real you. Wasn't, was this, wasn't there some kind of plot line or story about uh, like a local swamp town or something um, how their stuff wasn't growing I don't know there I thought there was some storyline so yeah there's not really a whole lot to say about this one mm-hmm. but it's definitely you know puts it at a spot where it puts it at a spot where it is like it's it's a cap on the story it's the mm-hmm. end of the story but obviously you know the next writer can come on and continue on the story. Um, but it's part of the reason I was like, been so hesitant to read past because I'm like, well, this Alan Moore stuff's been so good Mm -hmm. and not to say that other writers can't handle it. Well, I've been enjoying modern day swamp thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but it just seemed like such a good 
end to yeah. Yeah. to it. I was like, well, I don't, I kind of don't want to ruin it. I just is is this uh this character that is he kind of is at the beginning and the end and sort of in the middle a little bit. It's this uh, like Cajun guy that's just mm-hmm. kind of uh, rowing through the issue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he looks he looks like Alan Moore. Do you think he is Alan Moore, or do you think this is is this a character? I, I haven't read any outside synopsis of this issue, but I I kept looking at it and thinking that guy kind of looks like a cleaned up Alan Moore. Oh, that's interesting. I'm not sure. It'd be awesome if it was. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I don't know. That'd be de- that'd be definitely worth that definitely be worth looking into because I could see him doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of writing himself into it that way. Like, well, yeah, literally rolling off into the end. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, 64. I wonder about that now. Yep. 64 is the issue. Mm-hmm. It's like a happily ever after. You don't want it to get screwed up later. And we, I mean, we don't know a lot of the middle, but we know stuff that happens later, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and obviously it goes on. The the Swamp Thing series, that volume in particular, goes on for quite a while, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's not at this point, eventually it becomes an actual Vertigo book as opposed to just being DC um, stamped, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I know it goes on for quite some time. But, like, yeah, it's that thing of, like, well, if the sequel's terrible it might jade the way i feel about the first one so how about i just stick with the first one Mm -hmm. kind of thing but i mean that's not necessarily going to be the case and you know sometimes it i mean it's not you just know that the rest isn't good it's (laughs) like um Land Before Time was a great movie, and every other sequel to it sucked. But the other other 20 were not so good? Yeah, they all are crap. And I've had to watch them all because kids love dinosaurs, but the first one was amazing. Yeah. Well, and I've heard good things about some of the the writers' runs after this. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I definitely want to read past it, but after a certain point, then we started doing the podcast, and I was like, well, I, I definitely... Got to wait till we catch mm-hmm. up. You should also because, I mean, we we read somebody that we like, and then it's like we read a bunch of stuff by them, and we like are snobbish kind of almost we're like, well, I don't want to read this. I want to read this because Alan Moore wrote it, or you know, yeah, yeah, or yeah. Um, you know whoever. We need to broaden our horizon some, or yeah. you you do. I should say. I, I I'll, do. I'll read anything I, I do. I've read. <laughs> I've read all kinds of Batman. I've read bad Batman. Mm-hmm. And I've read good Batman. Um, when you've got what the the current guy was really good too. You said, uh, yeah. And, now he's going to be Marvel. <laughs> and I haven't read all of his stuff because it's not possible to read all of his stuff because he writes too much. No, um, <laughs> it's true though. I guess if you write a character I like really well. Mm-hmm. I become a big fan and I'm just like, okay, you won me over. Mm-hmm. But that seems like a natural thing. Um, I was like Scott Snyder. I started reading his Batman stuff. I was mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, this guy's awesome. And generally all the others, I've read his, some of a bunch of his other stuff and it's always generally pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan Moore stuff's pretty good, yeah. but 
No, yeah, I'm not opposed to other writers doing it. The modern stuff's been good. Scott Snyder wrote Swamp, Modern Swamp Thing, too, and actually, I kind of like Charles Soule's stuff more, but anyway, I don't know where we're going with that. Swamp yeah. Studies. Yeah. I, uh, I, I looked that up real quick, and that character is actually a character. It's not Alan Moore. Oh, oh well, he can be Alan. Although it looked quite a bit like Alan Moore. He's yeah. Alan Moore in our hearts. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think there was some metaphor there and stuff. Mm-hmm. Has Grant Morrison writ, wrote any Swamp Thing? Because man, it seems like something Grant Morrison would write, and Alan yeah. Moore, I'm sure, would hate it. Yeah. It would make him. Yeah, yeah. I kind of see. Okay, so there's that that thing where Alan Moore hates Grant Morrison mm-hmm. with a passion. And it's like, the guy ripped me off, blah, blah, blah. He does what I do. Mm-hmm. And I guess even with our discussion of this stuff where we're like, well, there's that one issue where it's a lot of prose. And you mentioned that Batman issue that I didn't read with all the prose, mm-hmm. which is a Grant Morrison issue. Um, so I can kind of in a little bit see where he's coming from. But also, and I'm sure there's some like actual like interpersonal in, in the industry stuff there that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. But it's like also really pompous to be like, this guy does things similar to what I do. He must be ripping me off, you know, like, yeah, eh, come on, man. Yeah, no, no, yeah. But, but with Grant Morrison's kind of like out there concepts and occasional like, he seems hippie-ish in in his ideals. Mm-hmm. Uh, Swamp Thing seems like a natural fit for him as well, so I'm curious if he's ever really writ, uh, wrote much Swamp Thing. Then it really he, would have been a bad acid trip. Yeah, um. <laughs> there actually, uh, he did do a four-issue arc uh, around issue 140. It looks like there's been some pretty crazy big names attached to Swamp Thing, because it looks like Mark Millar took over after after uh, Morrison oh. at some point there, or, or is co-written. Yeah. The title was handed over to Grant Morrison for a four issue arc co-written by the then unknown Mark Millar. Oh, wow. And this is like right after, right after the Alan Moore run, uh, Collins takes over and then, yeah. So yeah, he did. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it all eventually. Uh, now that we've gotten through it for the podcast, I'm just going to start reading it all. Well, I don't know if you're going to have time. Maybe we're going to be doing Dead Air. Oh, I can read. Yeah. I can read a lot of Dead Air. Mm-hmm. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> get, get ready to edit some Dead Air. That's easy. <laughs> you just cut it all out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, have we even said de- so Dead Air? If you, for whatever reason, have never listened to our podcast before, uh, Dead Air is going to replace Swamp Studies, and we will be talking about Walking Dead. Yeah. So instead of a Saga of the Swamp Thing book every every, every other episode, it'll be a volume of uh, Walking Dead, and there are plenty. Mm-hmm. So we will go until we're tired of it. When I'm, I'm interested right off the bat because uh, I just read an article about basically the butterfly effect of Daryl Dixon. And how it is utterly changing the series. 
Really? And it's, it's gotten to the point where when they, when they sit down to write an episode or an arc, the first thing that they have to do is, uh, first of all, they identify it and they're like, yeah, this is a really good story that we really want to do from the comic. Now, how does Daryl fit in? Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. Okay. Because he doesn't exist. And because of his existence, uh, now we've lost Tyrese, who was kind of Daryl. And then, mm-hmm. you know, like, like, other people who should step up and be the new right-hand man, like Abraham, are probably not going to, because why would they? Yeah, okay, okay. It's just the constant butterfly effect of that, and like the fact that Carol, you know, she's not around as much as she is in the show, and so now we've got this super butterfly effect of now Carol and Daryl are around. Well, it, it's really weird anyway, because a lot of the characters, like they use characters in the show that Mm -hmm. are not the characters in the book. They like completely swap out characters and take somebody. I'm I'm, I'm not going to name names, but they take one character that died in the beginning and make her, make him or her one of the main characters in the series that's running now. Um, Right. And then people that are still in the comic, died in the beginning of the series. Uh-huh. So, you know. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to read it fresh, having seen as much of the show, too, now, for mm-hmm. me. Well, it's really weird t- to me to watch the show. After having read, like, all of it, the series? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it's crazy, like, them finally, like, there's stuff that happened a, a long time ago in the, in, in the comic that they're just finally adding into... Um, into the series. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I've been waiting for that to happen. It should have happened a long time ago in the, in the sequence as it goes in the comics, but they, they did it finally. Cause it's like good stuff. Um, like the, you know, the, the, um, the leg thing with them. Oh yeah. Yeah. What's his butt. I yeah. was waiting for that for so long. <laughs> Cause I'm like, I love, I love that when he's like tainted meat. That's like one of my favorite. Somebody eat, somebody hurry up and eat somebody's leg. <laughs> well, do, yeah. do it, do it now. It, it's better in the comic book than they, than they did it in there, but still, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that was a pretty epic moment too. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I bet it was a lot easier to conceal in the in the comic mm-hmm. because in in the in the show, I'm just like, oh, he's totally tainted. I mean, I I saw it coming a mile away. But yeah, you know that's that's something that happens. I mean, well, I don't know. It's hard for me to gauge what's early anymore because I've read so much of it, but sure. it seems like a long time ago to me that it happened. And uh, this, this show's farther along than I w- would imagine, but I suppose you can fit several issues worth of comics into, you know, an yeah. episode so or two. It's, mm-hmm. just, it's still one of my favorites. One of my favorite comics that I'm reading. Mm-hmm. But I really like zombies. I like pretty much all the zombie comics that I read. That's been going, that series has been going for a really long time too. Mm-hmm. It's huge. It's a huge, yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened to extinction parade? Oh, I think it's still going, or at least it was for a long time. I stopped buying it because mm-hmm. I felt, I fell back on, I, I, I fell off of it, but extinction parade was, uh, the Max Brooks, um, zombie slash vampire. Yeah. Book. It well, the, like the main characters were vampires, 
And the world is taken over by zombies. Yeah. And it, like at first they were like, I don't care. And then eventually they were like, holy crap, we're running out of food. Yeah. <laughs> and then it became, <laughs> you know, a thing. <laughs> it got picked up. It's going to be turned into something eventually, a movie or a show. I'm mm-hmm. not sure which. So Max Brooks seems to have, um, who is it? Max Brooks and, well, they, and, um, what's his name? Stephen King's son. Hill. Um, Joe Hill. Yeah. Uh, of course it probably helps cause they have kind of recognizable names and ties. Mm-hmm. Uh, but their stuff seems to get picked up a lot. But well, Joe, Joe Hill goes by Joe Hill, not King. And he has a, a his other brother goes by King and he's not nearly as well known. So you well, Joe. they're, it, they're talented. Lock, yeah. and, Lock and Key was great. Yeah. I think that's the only thing of his that I've read, but it, I liked it a lot. He did. He wrote horns that we watched recently. Yeah. Well, I know we watched it, but. Oh, I'm just saying. Was yeah. that pretty good? Yeah, I liked it. It's not amazing, um, but it's different. It's mm-hmm. it's there. That's the Daniel Radcliffe, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's Principal. A, it's kind of a. I mean, it's hard to say. It's fun. It's yeah, it's fun. It is fun. It's a it's a pretty uh, I guess kind of morbid concept or a downer concept. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still manages to be kind of a fun movie, and the concept's fun. Mm-hmm. They 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 roll with it. There's some funny bits for sure. I find it difficult though to watch people that I know, or like when I first watch them in movies, I know they're very British, and then when I watch them trying to be American, I I have like scrutinize them so hard to listen and see if I <laughs> if they mess up. You know, he did go. He did go though. He apparently speaks uh, American English better than I do. Mm-hmm. He, he did good though. Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, his American accent. Mm-hmm. Sure, for sure. Better, better than, uh, better than tenants. <laughs> uh, see, I don't. I, 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 I have not watched. I don't think I've watched anything where tenants played an American yet. I haven't watched the like. Um, well, I don't think he does it very often. I think that's why it slips so bad in Grace Point. Yeah. Uh, God, I still have to watch that. I think we talked about that last episode. I'll, I'll have to check that and I. I watched a bit of Broadchurch once, Broadchurch once mm-hmm. but I do not like pr- police procedural shows, and that's just that's what it struck me as. So I stopped watching. Well, and that's where Grace Point is. I mean, it's exactly the same thing. It's just you know the pacing's different because it's American. Yeah, it's it's like. It's English, so it's not uh, the oh, same. But yeah. Randy was like them, uh, and, the yeah. letter sh- letter cop shows, like uh, letter cop shows. <laughs> then, oh yeah, I don't like CSI <laughs> New York Brooklyn. Yeah, uh, sexual predators. I don't need to watch CSI England. <laughs> yeah, no, the other one was N- NCIS. NCIS victims, CSI, yeah. Law and Order, uh, special Law and Order's vacuums great. unit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of any of those shows. And Law and Order, I, 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 Law and Order strikes me as a better produced, least less trashy. And I'm probably, you know, I'm sure somebody out there is going to be like, "Hey, screw you." Mm-hmm. But a a least a less trashy yeah. show than like a lot of the CSI shows. Mm-hmm. A lot of those are real flashy. Yeah. Um, but Law and Order was on when I was a kid. And 
What is the most <laughs> boring thing on TV when you so hear a bunch of lawyers? You hear that opener sound talking. and you're just like, so yeah, it you, just makes yeah, me feel checked out. So I hear that, <laughs> that duh, duh, and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> I, I'm a kid. It's late at night and this is the most boring thing ever. That's how it makes me feel. I, I don't, I don't want it. I don't want it. Yeah. And the music, the de- 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 mm-hmm. I, no, don't need it. I always like Law and Order. Oh, yeah. The the uh, dad it. on Flash is from Law and Order. The dad on Flash is from Flash. Oh, you mean the other guy, the foster? Oh dad? yeah, the foster dad. Sorry. Oh okay. Joe. Yeah, West. I don't know what that other guy's in. I know he's in stuff, but. Oh, I like I like that guy. Mm-hmm. But I like Flash. Uh, Flash it, is a much more entertaining show to me than Law and Order. Oh boy! You, you know why he's such a good cop though? It's because he had all those years of. It took him a long time Order. to well, get good. there. I'm glad. <laughs> well, iced tea. <laughs> give me iced tea. Yeah. Give me iced tea. Iced tea. <laughs> yeah, give me iced tea on Flash or something. Then we'll talk. He'd probably do it. <laughs> We'll talk about how Flash is awesome, and I don't want to watch Law and Order. How? Why is it that the like gangsters and pimps always end up playing cops in movies? <laughs> it's true, though. No, yeah, yeah. That's the 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 the, the old school gangster rappers who mm-hmm. like that's their whole persona. Persona mm-hmm. it, end up being playing cops on TV. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's weird, isn't it? It is. It's almost like the ultimate version of selling out, but, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think that was ever really, I think that's not really a big worry for a lot of rappers because they're upfront about it. They want money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but still, yeah, it's, it's funny. Or, well, he was also a kangaroo man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in, in I, I actually really liked girl. that movie. I know you didn't care for it, but I liked it. Uh, it, it's not, you don't like Lori Petty, that's what it is. I, I don't like Lori Petty that much. I didn't, at least in that, I didn't care for her. I like Lori Petty anyway. I like her in that too. The movie's okay, but it's just, it's, it's like, camp level is like a notch or two too high for me. Mm. Intentional camp level is yeah. a notch or two too high. I don't know. I can't, it's, it's hard to like figure out why certain things like Batman 66 I can totally tolerate mm-hmm. probably cuz it's got Batman yeah yeah that doesn't hurt versus things like Tank Girl which is good to a point but I also kind of hate it but right i don't know but you mean why did they make it no i i, I don't i don't know why there's a certain line that oh. i can handle things on this side but not on that side i see what you're saying any, anything else before we wrap this up? One year. Yay. Yay. Um, uh, just to, I know we already mentioned it, but um, it's the end of the new Swamp Thing also. Yeah, it's the end of the new Swamp Thing. This month there will be the last issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, they canceled Swamp Thing. That's very disappointing to me. It is disappointing. And they've been doing a lot of kind of epic stuff. So I'm interested to see how they're going to end it all. Next issue. Yeah, how they're going to wrap it up in like... I, I think issue? I think I'm an issue behind, so we haven't... I don't think we've read this this month's issue yet. Are you sure? The Life and Death? That's what I just read. Oh, you might have. I I might be behind on it. I don't think I've read it yet. No. But, yeah, how they're going to wrap everything up in like an issue. Mm-hmm. Because, um, yeah, Charles Soule's going over to Marvel and 
Which at first I was disappointed, but since they're canceling Swamp Thing, I don't care anyway. <laughs> Charles still can do whatever he wants with his life. Sounds awesome. You go be successful. You go be successful, lawyer man with a band who writes like eight comic books a month. <laughs> oh, and also disappointed that um the other newer guy, not that they're necessarily new, but that I really like, pretty much jumped off all the books I liked. Uh, the guy that was writing, Tom Taylor. He's writing in the Injustice series. He's the reason mm-hmm. that actually became like a series, a popular like book. Um, and he was doing Earth Two, mm-hmm. um, and I think he was doing something else. Uh, he jumped off all those books. He's yeah. got like a his own book or a t- TV series or something going on, mm-hmm. um, and he just didn't have time for it. But that really bums me out because he was excellent. Mm-hmm. And I know Earth Two. Earth Two went down the tubes. Yeah, I don't blame him for jumping off that. I haven't read it actually. Ship. I think I'm kind of behind on Injustice. I haven't read it in a little while. Yeah, we're way behind on Injustice. But I've been kind of, I've been buying all the issues and eventually I'm just going to sit down and just blow through it all because it's a pretty quick read, generally. I like how we're ending this episode with all these, like, downer notes. Like, everything's ending. Everything's but you know what's not ending, guys? This podcast. This podcast. Mm-hmm. We're, we're just, keep going. we're just getting started. We're just getting started. So I got a new computer. Which means Yay! Yes. it's much faster than my old one. It's a huge improvement. Um, uh, some of the programs I was using, I've got. I can actually get the 64-bit uh, newer versions of. I'm not locked into this 32-bit Windows. Um, oh yeah. So that that'll be a big improvement, and so hopefully the Grolix channel will uh, will start get. You'll start seeing more videos pop up there. Mm-hmm. Speaking of new things, and I, I don't want to like start a whole new segment that'll go like crazy out of control, but mm-hmm. I don't think we've talked about this. Um, now I'm, I know I'm a huge big, I'm the big finish guy, but, um, the new series, the unit series. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's kind of huge news because that's big finish getting new who licensing, which is crazy because they, is this the first time they otherwise, for the most part, have Yeah, this is the first time. Otherwise, they've just gotten, like, little snippets of, like, audiobooks that were already mm-hmm. written, and then they just produced a real quick audiobook for it. But this will be a full-blown uh, modern New Who unit series with, uh, was it Gemma Redgrave as uh, the Briggs' daughter mm-hmm. heading up unit and... Uh, yeah, it looks like the first story is going to involve the Autons, and looks pretty epic. Well, yeah, I like it. It's this the the series sounds interesting, and it's a promising step. Mm-hmm. Yes, because I think I think Tennant would totally be on board for doing. Oh, he's ten. already been uh, like the fact that he couldn't do a ten series. They basically wrote him a real quick series that he was like a time traveling cop guy. Oh, really? <laughs> and he was, and, yeah, and he was involved in uh, before that. He was involved in the uh, uh, Dalek Empire uh, series that they did. And I know he's also he's also done um, a lot of the uh, at least a, a few audiobooks. Oh yeah, so I know yeah, a lot, a couple, quite a few of those. He totally seems on board for doing the audio stuff. So they should just make him an Inspector Time series. 
Inspector, Inspector, Ti- Inspector Space Time. Oh, yes, it is Inspector Space Time. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't get my own hopes up, but it seems like the, uh, Big Finish would be something that would be unique enough that if you were going to pull Eccleston back in, this might be the thing that would do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's highly unlikely that he'll ever come back to Doctor Who. But I wonder if he wouldn't come back for a big finish. If the right people wrote the story and he didn't have to deal with the big studio situations. Yeah, I mean, I he, in general, like, just because he avoids talking about it at all, he seems kind of soured on Doctor Who at all. But I think you're right. He, I'm assuming he wouldn't have to deal with any of the BBC people. Um, it wouldn't... Yeah. They... The big finish things obviously don't get the kind of uh, coverage uh, and exposure that the actual TV series does, um, and so he's not necessarily got his face plastered on there. I don't know how he feels about the Doctor Who uh, uh, fandom, I guess, that comes along with playing a Doctor. But of anything, that seems like a more likely possibility for Eccleston to return to playing Doctor Who. I would hope so because I like him a lot. I know. he's Is he your, your favorite? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Your favorite Doctor? Yep. Or of the new Doctors, at least. When I think uh, the eighth Doctor series, it will be... I think it'll be out maybe a day or two after this goes live. Oh, it'll actually go maybe up today. It says that the Dark Eyes 4 launches on the 2nd of March. So, oh, sl- slightly related. Um, I've been so out of the loop on comic book news, but I did come across we're getting a ten, eleven, twelve crossover series from Titan. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. And actually, I think what it sounded like is that miniseries will just replace the regular ten, eleven, twelve books for the month or couple months or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So you don't have to buy extra books like a lot of these companies are doing <laughs> yeah which is kind of nice for sure because yeah. then you can still like yeah it doesn't really inflate your your pull pull list budget at all mm-hmm. which is nice i was totally thinking of that when you were talking about the the villains mm-hmm. uh villains month month <clears throat> that was awful i remember when it happened oh, you were yeah. uh you were like uh, there's like four of them <laughs> it was really expensive yeah because i was buying every batman series at the time mm-hmm. and at that time i think there were like four so four times four, as opposed to just four issues. Mm-hmm. Oh God, yeah, that was bad. But that was the one with the fancy cover, huh? Yeah, they had the cool 3D covers. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess they're kind of cool, but since they were on my pull list, I actually got the 3D covers instead of the uh, 2D covers that they had to go to eventually. Mm-hmm. What? 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 Is, anything else? Um, anything else we got? Your book, Jesse. Jesse, your book. <laughs> I, have a, I have a book. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's out. It's I, I, I'm pretty proud of it. I mean, I don't want to pat myself on the back too hard, but it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, we mentioned it last episode, and I think you actually got got it posted or got it uh, got it up before the episode went live or around when it first came yeah, out. Think, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's up on you, – you can find it a lot of different ways. Um, the – the most personal, I like the personal way, the way that is going to support me the most, and I can get you a, a 
a copy that's you know, personalized and signed and that kind of stuff. If you go to uh, the store that's connected on my website, which is tankmonkeycomic.com, uh, that that's the best way to get it from me. Uh, the fastest way to get it from me, or not from me, the, the best, the fastest way to get it. Period is to go through Amazon, uh, and it is up on there. If you search out Tank Monkey, yeah. If you wanna, if you don't wanna give Jesse the maximum support, you know, if you wanna <laughs> like feed feed me like actual sandwiches uh, as, <laughs> as, as opposed to uh, feeding a corporate machine like Amazon mm-hmm. so you can get your book a little bit faster and you can do that. Um, the create, uh, the create space or, or well, okay. So when you order it through you, does the payment still get processed by Amazon? Uh, when you order it through my store, it's uh, it's Stripe. So oh, okay. Okay. it's not, it's not through Amazon at all. Uh, if you go through, if you go through Amazon, then that's pa- it's processed through Create Space and Amazon because they're basically the same company, just different like divisions. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Um, so it, the way it breaks down is, I get paid royalties for everything that they sell through Amazon, and the royalties are a lot less than than if I were to sell it myself, yeah. which makes sense because I have no over, you know, I have no overhead when they sell it. Uh, which is which is nice, but at the same time, you know, they affect the unit price, which then makes it. I mean, it makes it really hard for me to compete with them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because they set the the limit of their unit price, and so then they mark it down from there, and uh, so it's actually cheaper than they'll let me sell it, kind of thing. I mean, yeah. it's, it's strange. Yeah, hard to hard to describe. But uh, I get the least amount of royalty from Amazon. I get a little bit better royalty from Create Space, and then I can buy my own books at, at cost. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm, where, where I actually can come out ahead a little bit is if I sell those copies. So buy them from Jesse. Yeah. Show him support, him. like comfy balls. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's gonna know what that. <laughs> well, look them up because they're awesome, and I—if I were a man, I'd want a pair. They're underwear. <laughs> awesome. Uh, um. All right. Good. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad we. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh. And by the way, I don't know that I've ever mentioned this, but Tank Monkey totally always makes me think of drunken children, and I don't know drunken why. Drunken children. Yeah. <laughs> what? What's Word drunken? association in my brain, Tank Monkey, makes me think of drunken children. Oh. Hmm. Okay. Hey, that, okay, so that, <laughs> that strip you sent me? Yes, sir. Uh, has that gone up yet, or is that tomorrow? That, that goes up tomorrow, which will have already been in the past. If For this? Alright, well go yeah. to, everybody go to Tank, go to Tank Monkey Comic? Yep. TankMonkeyComic.com. And, yeah, that was a good one. I enjoyed it quite a bit. It may still be up, uh, yeah, it's an it's a, it takes place in a movie theater. Yeah, it's a good one. I enjoyed that one a lot. And has a spe- you know, and I I don't want to give away too much, but it has a special guest appearance uh, cameo that was graciously on loan from uh, Axton of ZombieOaksComic.com. It's nice. So, and it took a while to make that one, but it it was a lot of fun to do. It looks nice. Trying new software, trying to get unshackle myself from the Adobe machine. Oh, really? 
Well, it's a Man- Manga Studios Five, which is ah, what yeah, Axon's okay. been using for a while, and it's a it's a pretty good software. It doesn't completely replace Photoshop, but it does a nice job. It's been a good year, everybody. Yep. I'm excited for more. Me I'm too. glad it's still okay. going. Mm-hmm, me too. Looking good. Yeah. Looking good for the next year. Good. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, as a uh, as 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 Brandon of the Technology Geek Podcast would say, uh, he predicts in the future, Grolic's podcast will be number one on the iTunes uh, podcast charts. It, it make it so. Make it so, people. Make it so. Yeah. Hey, if you listen to us on iTunes, leave us a review. It helps us out. Uh, the more reviews we get, uh, the more likely iTunes is going to uh, uh, be willing to suggest us to other people. So if you want to share it with us, with people, <laughs> rate it and review it and share it with your friends and tell your family. Yeah. Great. Great. Oh, hey. <laughs> hashtag, hashtag promotion. Hashtag promo. Promo 2015. Uh, Coney. <laughs> <laughs> Coney? Yeah. Is that like a hot dog or something? <laughs> yeah, it is, but that's not what I was thinking. I was thinking that. <laughs> Coney's kind of a that's that's kind of obscure reference at this point. Isn't it, it? it really is. It was that it was a huge thing, but that huge like weird the documentary about that Coney guy. Oh yeah, I watched that. And apparently, nothing good come from any of that. Yeah. And the guy that made the documentary got arrested for indecent activity in public, and it was just all very awkward and strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's one of those moments where the internet just went insane. For a moment, yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody was just like, "This is really important," and then it all came out that it was like, kind of, not, I don't know, not totally on the up and up, and and it could cause more damage than it than it should, kind of thing. Yeah, it's very weird. That was my reference. That's hip. <laughs> that, was, that was hip. That's hip to the square. <laughs> oh man, you went really old school with hip to be square. <laughs> I did. <laughs> It's like it's like you're channeling the end of the Tosh show. Oh, where he's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Old canceled things that. Yeah, like this has been in some random old canceled show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was in the future, and then he went back to the future. <laughs> yeah, we go, Marty. <laughs> Something's got to be done. Something's got to be done. It's about your Grolix kids. This Wait, is, what? <laughs> we're like we're like we're like doing movie quotes as part of the bit now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, we reference in the future all the time, so it's true. This is Melanie, and hail to the Grolix, baby. This is Randy. You ever dance with the Grolix in the pale moonlight? And this is Jesse. Nobody calls me Lebowski. You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude, Grolix. Thank you for listening to Grolix Podcast. The Grolix Podcast is a production of the Electronic Media Collective and Vocal Arrow Studios. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives, 4.0 International License. To hear more, visit GrolixPodcast.com. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Grolix Podcast and like us on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Podcast. Right to the meat. The meat and bone. No gristle.
<laughs> no, no, Crystal. All right. It's all about that bass right there. All about that bass. No, Crystal. <laughs> Turn up for what? <laughs> <laughs> From the window to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is all that ra- all that not random just built up to to now. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. Oh, my Grolix's crawl. Ah. Mm. <laughs> See, this is the stuff that you're, you're going to have to cut and use as the... Um, well, I'm glad, because I, I was... Yeah, that's good. <laughs> cut this and put this on SoundCloud. Everyone will be listening all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the hips is what we have. <laughs> we got the hips? We got the hips. <laughs> at least, like, <laughs> at least six of them between that. the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> Hipster. <laughs> so for more talk like this, listen to the Grolix podcast. New episodes yep. first Monday of every month. And we've got hips. We got it. <laughs> the hips makers. <laughs> This is like a brand of ice cream. (laughs) 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 We're the hips makers. (laughs) Oh, goodness. (laughs) Granny goodness. (laughs) Granny goodness. Our hips don't lie. (laughs) Read our hips. (laughs) Oh, read our hips. And my hips don't lie. I don't know why I gotta make a Shakira reference here, but I do. Because <laughs> no one else is. That's why. The- that's that's why. That because I because you're the Batman. That's why. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yes. 